0: the Koy Gig part on off the ball
1: it wasn't a foul absolutely not but i'm
2: glad to see the goalkeeper is getting the benefit of the doubt <laughs> it always a... get the benefit of the
0: doubt <laughs> <laughs> subscribe to the feed in the otb sports app now
3: otb am the sports breakfast show from off the ball
4: Happy Friday. Welcome along to OTBAM, the sports breakfast show from off the ball. It's half past seven on the 7th of July, 2023. And you know it's a Friday because producer Colm is giving us a round of applause from the booth and cheering and hollering. And uh, just generally, Jojo's laughing as well, that's fantastic Ashley O'Reilly, good morning
5: Good morning Shane, how was things? It's
4: just feels like Friday doesn't it when the yeah. lads are
5: Yeah, was a proper hype man isn't
4: he? he proper hype man, <laughs> you, you kind of need this sometimes to just get yourself in the you mood for yeah. I actually forgot it was Friday till I saw Colum look so happy out there and it Do you know reminded what, until me.
5: you just said that there, I just registered it, it was yeah. Friday Because yeah, when you work weekends, Fridays, they're not exactly the, no, the Friday feeling But
4: I can imagine, yeah. yeah So what day is Friday for you technically?
5: Um, oh well it changes every week so yeah, yeah I don't know um, it could be a Monday which is pretty grim right, right. but uh, here I work in sport, so it's all good I'm not going to I complain. suppose
4: Yeah, you're not going <laughs> to yeah. get much sympathy from people out there I no, guess working no. in sport um, you were at the this is the last opportunity I'm going to get but they're going to kill me for doing this but last opportunity I get to talk, to talk about last weekend in Monaghan and oh. we, 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 talked, we talked about this we I knew, knew Colin wouldn't this three, three minutes in, in not even <laughs> um, so clutch players we were talking about clutch players a little bit earlier like yeah Ryan O'Neill Conor McManus it was just the, the definition of players who want the ball at the most dangerous and opportune moments yeah like those two lads showed it last weekend unbelievable
5: like I was sitting down beside the, the Monaghan subs and I saw Conor McManus warming up a few times and even before the game I saw him and He looked a bit maybe pissed off or maybe he's in the zone. Maybe that's the way he does it. But you could see that he wanted to be on that pitch. And to come on and do what he done is just phenomenal. Mm. You know, I think he took a shot at the start it just dropped short and to step up again. And obviously then to to win the free, to take the free and to put it to penalties. I don't think players like that come around too often. Mm. And Conor McManus is obviously... Definitely, Monahan's best ever clutch player. Vinnie yeah. Corey said it after the game, and he couldn't have put it better. And we mentioned there as well, Reen O'Neill. It was similar moments oh. for the, for him. You know, there was times when maybe the ball was out of scoring distance, and he wanted to step yeah. up and, and try his hand at it. And there was one point that Jerry Oakburns just took the ball and like sort of played it backwards and just like keep the ball. <laughs> and I've just seen Reen just a bit like, you know, I was going to go for that. But then we saw his free as well out near the sideline. Like he's just a
4: phenomenal player, and Ridiculous.
5: yeah, it just made us think: like, who are these clutch players that you know across the the country we have? There are definitely two that are up there.
4: Clifford's obviously and obviously, Clifford, answer. yeah, of course. Um, like Shane Walsh's performance in the Ireland final last year would lead you to believe he's a clutch player. Obviously, this year it didn't exactly materialise yeah. for him. Mm-hmm. But there's just players who like imagine how brave that is in a moment like that where it's a melting pot. You know, your your county is a point down. Last kick of extra time, they're playing the ball short. All of the Armad defenders know that it's you that wants the ball. and yeah. like clearly want the ball to be in McManus's hands. Somehow he still gets it, still skips past Grugan and, and buys the free. It's just it's 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 so wise what he did and there. Like just to run towards the goal, someone will trip me up.
5: Yeah, exactly. And the difference is he wants it. Like he yeah. wants to take it. Like he's oh. loving it. Like that You've is a, a different angle. mindset. Were you on the
4: hill sixteen or near hill sixteen when the yes, free yeah, was yeah, over? yeah 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 I saw your angle of the
5: unbelievable. Class. Yeah, I, I took a video of Shane. What uh, do you no, think of that? No,
4: listen, I, I I was delighted <laughs> to see another <laughs> angle of it. So
5: well, I was actually thinking of that when I took the video.
4: <laughs> I was happy. I, I was happy enough. <laughs> like
5: Shane's not going to like this. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. <laughs> if it's a Monhill moment that I get to see again and again, it's it's absolutely fine. Um, we should say to people that so you, you were you're going to the hurling as well this weekend. Yeah, that.
5: yeah, looking forward to that, and the Kamogis on before it as well. Yeah. So brilliant to see them at Crow Park um, but yeah it should be a good weekend I think it's getting really exciting now they're, they're tough semi-finals to call Claire will probably be in the team of the, the championship yeah. so far um, some great storylines around them and yeah they came up short in the Munster final against Limerick by a point that day but maybe it's going to be a blessing in, in disguise for them yeah, who possibly.
4: knows Yeah, a lot of the Build up, I guess, this week. James O'Connor and even the lads yesterday were <clears throat> very much. They're going to be one-score games in both games. That mm-hmm. that seems to be the general feeling. I'd love if it goes that way. We will uh, preview the, the hurling a little bit later on in the show, just to uh, uh, highlight what's coming up between now and ten o'clock. With uh, myself and Ashley. from around seven fifty-five a.m. this morning, Eva Mannion. Really interested to hear her thoughts um, on, on, I guess, her disappointment in missing out on Vera Power's Republic of Ireland World Cup squad. The season just gone with Manchester United. Her injuries. Uh, Alessia Russo's departure from Old Trafford. Maybe we'll touch on as well. Uh, and of course the game. Last night, the three 0 defeat by France at Tallis Stadium, which we'll get into very shortly. Uh, Kieran Joyce, the former Kilkenny hurler and Brendan Butler, the former Clare star, at Twenty Past Eight, previewing that game on Sunday, Clare Kilkenny at Croke Park, with the sports pages at eight forty-five. We'll have Jack Cardy, the Connath captain and out half at around 10 to 9 on the show this morning. He's uh, an ambassador for the Jack and Jill Foundation as well. So we'll touch on um, the season just gone for him and the Friends departure and loads more. Wimbledon update, Colin Buhig will bring his smiling uh, Friday happiness in the studio to to bring us the latest. Andy Murray, of course, two sets to one up in his match last night against Tsitsipas. And that game was stopped at around 11 o'clock for curfew reasons at Wimbledon, which just annoyed the head of me last night. I was like, oh, this is great. And then all of a sudden they stop it. But look, we'll get into all Wimbledon uh, and the talking points with Colum at around 9.15. And then at half past nine, if you missed it, Owen Coggins, you had to be there. Brilliant episode. Um, And you'll get Paul Howard's episode, of course, from yesterday on YouTube and podcast. Um, Ashley, you you stumbled into the studio this morning. You stumbled into Marconi House. You have the crutches. The crutches aren't exactly on on, uh, set here, but they're just out of camera line. But what's happened?
5: Well, it's nothing serious now. I'm probably uh, too dramatic. but Oh, you can see
4: the crutches. Sorry. Brilliant. We've got a oh camera angle of the Oh my God, that was
5: crutches. all, Colm? <laughs> Brilliant, <laughs> I'm
4: Emma. I'm completely well done. dramatic. Yeah.
5: No, I uh, don't know yet exactly, but I think I tore my hamstring. Okay. I'm hoping it is not uh, fully torn, but uh, yeah, have to wait and see. I only did it on Wednesday at a game. I'd never done it before, so I wasn't sure. Like I come off straight away once I did it. Like I, I sprinted once at the start of the game, and then the second ball I got, I turned... Was, I had space everyone was like go yeah. ran took a bounce then I went to solo it, and as I just brought my leg up to, to take the solo I just heard like a pop
4: the right, right foot left right foot leg. I'm left foot you're yeah. left footed.
5: and you just heard like a bit of a pop and knew straight away my leg just fell and I just laid it off and just fell to the ground yeah. and I often have seen it. obviously reporting on county games that I'm like they go straight down and they hold their leg straight away I was like oh yeah. no I think this is hamstring because I'd never did it I've been which would really lucky with injuries. injuries so yeah but uh, then I was obviously on Google straight away being like
4: What's wrong with what me? is wrong yeah. but uh, yeah
5: very very dramatic <laughs> now that, with the
4: crutches that camera angle was the most dramatic thing I've seen all morning the crutches <laughs> were sitting in the corner it's
2: like we planted them there,
4: them there for, for dramatic effect yeah. it was Paul all Emma did. apparently Yeah, yeah. she knew yeah um, but yeah, yeah
5: hopefully not too serious. But they just say to stay off it for like 48 to 72 hours. That's the, the best time to stay off and you have the best chance. of right. Getting back for championship, it's all about that, Shane. Uh,
4: listen, you have to peak for the right times of the year. You, you, know, you do, and you yeah. Grand. Hopefully, we'll touch wood, well. you'll, you'll recover nice and quickly, Ashley. Fingers crossed. Uh, the thoughts of everyone with off the ball, with course. Thanks, with, Shane. With Thank hand, you, I appreciate that. Cathy McNamee has joined us in studio as well this morning.
6: Hello, guys. How are we?
4: Keeping Good well. Good morning. Uh, the back of the Irish Daily Mail kind of highlighting the... The thoughts in the papers this morning get serious. Power implores players to cut out mistakes. Vera Power acknowledging, quote, individual mistakes proved costly as France pooped to the Republic of Ireland's World Cup farewell party. Disappointing? Last night, I think you were there at Stadium.
7: Yeah,
6: it's hard to know how to feel coming out of it because France are just such a talented side. You know, you look at the levels of experience there and the majority of the players are playing for, you know, Leon, PSG, all these top clubs. I think the first 40-odd minutes were really impressive and much more progressive than I expected to see that Ireland team play. And I think we really saw the shoots of what we had seen in the US games grow a little bit and the relationship between certain players like Marissa Shiva and Kira Carusa really improve and hopefully that can only get better as time goes on. Now, is it coming a little bit soon for the World Cup? Probably. Uh, I think the goals we conceded were so disappointing because those were the sort of things that we've tried really hard to stamp out of our game. Um I just recorded the latest episode of Koi Gig, which will be up very, very soon in any of your podcast feeds. But um, Karen and I were saying it was kind of like a bit of a reality check last night, I suppose, because we've been relatively positive and our focus has been almost more so on the squad and who's going to make it and individual performances rather than the entire overall view of the World Cup and how we're going to do in games itself. And I think, you know, the quality that we face against France is definitely close to some of the quality we're going to face in the World Cup and add into that all the added stresses and pressures of the game as well Uh, but yeah I mean the atmosphere was unreal despite the fact there was a howling gale Mm. the rain was absolutely lashing down like it was a 10-15 minutes before the game actually started and there was barely anyone in the stands and I was like oh no if people not come out because you know Mm. the weather is shocking but actually you know the crowd was great one of the loudest crowds I've heard in Tala so from that perspective it was really good send off for the team, but definitely, definitely a lot of things to work on in the
5: next two weeks. <laughs> Can we fix an entire team in two weeks? Yeah. Absolutely, loads of time. <laughs> no, there was a lot of positives for me. I thought maybe just maybe unfamiliar a little bit with each other. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what came across because, as you said, Marissa Shiva and Kira Caruso they linked up so well. Sinead Farley, even you know, the touch she got for that first goal, mm-hmm. which pretty much was a goal. I know. The, the French goalkeeper maybe had stopped at yeah. that point but still she was you, onside. Yeah, you should keep playing though. That's yeah. not our fault if she listened to the whistle. Yeah, Play yeah. <laughs> like the whistle doesn't come into it now. But the thing yeah. is as
6: well at the World Cup there will be VAR so yeah. in those situations you kind of have to train yourself to keep going because there's a chance if that had been pulled back it yeah. would have been given as onside.
4: Mm. Yeah, yeah, just
5: unfamiliar at times I just thought was what I saw like I think it was Izzy Atkinson up the I think it was the left wing, and she just laid a ball off to Marissa Shiva, and Marissa Shiva gave it back to her, but she didn't make the run on. Mm. And I was like, "There are little things that you'll know if you play with each other a little bit more."
6: Yeah, you know, I really felt for Izzy Atkinson when she came on because obviously coming on to replace Katie McCabe are very very big boots to fill, anyways. But she did look particularly lost last night, mm-hmm. and but. Like, that's not necessarily a bad thing either. Like, I'd rather she experience it now in Tala against France in a friendly and realize, you know, okay, well, that's the sort of level that I need to be at, or that's how much harder I need to work to get to a certain level than having that first experience of coming on against like say Australia or Canada or Nigeria in the World Cup um, yeah I thought there was just like a few performances that were a little bit off you had the likes of Heather Payne it's probably one of the worst games I've seen from her it felt like she was just chasing her tail a lot of the time and couldn't get herself properly into the game um, is that her best position to me she looked maybe out of position I I do think it is her best position. Like, it's where she normally plays when she's over in the States. And, like, chatting to her at the media day that we were at last week, she was... I was kind of saying, you know, how are you finding switching around for the national team? Because that's that's not that unusual. You look at Anya O'Gorman, she plays in Mm. defence for the national team and then is up front uh, in the club game. And she said herself that she feels a bit more comfortable there. I think it was probably just the quality of the... I don't think Heather Payne often comes up against players who can outrun her. And there was a lot of that last night, like the French team are so fast and also their one-touch football is just, oh, it's so sublime to watch. When they got going in the second half, you kind of could very easily forget they were playing Ireland and just sit there and enjoy watching them pass the ball back to each other. Um, so yeah, I think I think that was it with her more than the actual positioning. Um, and obviously that's going to be important Like when we're looking at who we're facing, who is she going to be up against? is because her pace and her ability to just
5: keep running is one of her best She's attributes such a machine. she just never stops it's yeah, yeah
4: incredible Unreal. the biggest concern for me possibly was the Lacroix second goal in the second half like so you, we can use the excuse all we want Our France are France the best are the fifth best team in the world they're way higher than us in the rankings but that run any team can make that run. That's not that's not a fifth best team in the world sort of run from a set piece. Normally we're good at set pieces as well, mm. which is the thing that concerns me, but that, that's something that was just a basic error of judgment.
6: Yeah, I think that would probably be the goal they're most... Uh, the first one and the third one, I think those are the two that yeah. they'll be the most disappointed about. I mean, the first one, we lost it uh, in midfield, really, and like it's rare that we let teams get in that close to goal. Like I think... It was just really unfortunate for Courtney that it squirmed the way it did. I think there was a lot of build-up play prior to that point that was probably more to blame than the actual, the way the goal went in in the end. With the third one, France are so good at set pieces. That's actually where they've got the majority of their goals over the last couple of months. Uh, they played games against, I think it was Colombia, Canada and mm. someone else, um, Zambia or something as well, and nearly all the goals in that came from set pieces. So we definitely would have known going into last night that was something that we really had to defend well and we didn't for that third goal. It, it's so hard because I think with the team, they... Uh, It's a frustrating thing where I think a lot of the time the team know what they need to do, but the quality isn't just quite there to Mm. be able to properly achieve it. Um, And, you know, Karen was saying earlier, we love it when a team starts, like, lumping balls into the box because that's what we're good at. We have, like, our big, strong defenders and Luis Quinn, Nifahi, whoever it might be, and we're happy to, you know, get rid of those balls all day long. But also, we need to be able to make sure we're doing that on individual set pieces as well as when the pressure is on and a team are maybe hammering us trying to get a goal.
4: Yeah, you'd worry about the lack of attempts on goal as well. Like, even at 3 0 down and even against a team with the quality of France, you want to be getting shots off, you want to be creating chances. And they just, I think Kira Caruso said it after the game, we have to be uncomfortable or comfortable being uncomfortable, Mm. which is something that this Irish team have to get used to doing because it might happen against Australia where you go a goal down, maybe two goals down, touch wood that doesn't happen but you need to be able to respond to that.
6: That's the thing we're not good at responding to going to a goal down in general I know we did it in the Zambia game but I feel like that was not really a game to base much off just because of how unusual it was in terms of five subs at half time and the fact that half the squad were vying for a place in the World Cup team Um I saw actually on Twitter last night, uh, just when we were playing well, like before the first goal went in and a lot of international commentators were like, Ooh, this is exciting from this Irish team. Probably people who haven't watched us as much over the last couple of months and seen mm. that kind of growth to where yeah. we are now. And they were like, you know, this is really exciting. We haven't seen this from this Ireland team before. And it was uh, ESPN Sophie Lawson who was agreeing and being like, yeah, this is really exciting, but I've two questions is, A, can they do it for 90 minutes? And B, where are the goals going to come from open play? And I was just like, shh, don't say the quiet part out loud because that's what we've all known to be the issue with Ireland for a long time. We see the potential of how we played in that first 40, 45 minutes. And then we also look and go, okay, but where where is that goal going to come from if we do get it? Kira Caruso did say last night when I was chatting to her that, even the fact that goal was offside well technically it wasn't offside it was onside like you can tell by all the replays. A seven year old tapped me on the shoulder and told me that it was onside <laughs> and I choose to believe her over the lines, Yeah. Um but she was saying even though it was flagged offside it was still a massive boost for her knowing that she could get into those positions and that if it was a World Cup there would be VAR and that goal would be given and it put trust in herself like when she played for HB College which a lot of people in Ireland won't have watched. I think in like 50 odd appearances, she had 30 goals. So she has the goals in her and she also has that strength up She's front. She's powerful. Yeah. She's well able to hold off
5: a player and she can turn. She turned Wendy Renard like a couple of times. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, you go. <laughs> Absolutely. It's brilliant to see that. But what happened then? Like it was, what, 30 minutes when Katie McKay went off. Is that really what happened? I think so. And this is something that's been
6: such an issue with this team for so long is that you take one of the central cogs out of it. And things go to pot quite quickly. Like, there are certain positions, say, like Rusha and Lily Ag, you can swap those out and it doesn't make a massive difference. You can, you know, take Megan Connolly out of midfield and stick her in the back line. Again, we can adapt to stuff like that, but Katie going off injured, Denise going down, you could even arguably say something happening to Courtney. Those are like the little things that are going to send this team spinning a little bit. And we do need to work on that. I know there was quite a few people saying last night that a character like Jamie Finn could have probably done a job for us uh, in terms of just the general strength she brings when she's on the ball. I was thinking that. yeah, And even just experience-wise too, mm-hmm. I was kind of surprised Chloe Mustaki wasn't brought on a little bit earlier. But then I was also like, maybe Vera wants to give Izzy Atkinson the kind of exposure to this sort of side before the World Cup. Um I mean, the all, the I have just said that Katie rolled her ankle and she's fine. She seemed to walk off the pitch yeah. totally okay. She had a bit of ice on it, but, you know, she wasn't hobbling or anything. She wasn't assisted going off. Um, Vera just said that she was going to be assessed by the doctor in the next couple of days. I think so. they're flying out today, so possibly not today, but in the coming days we'll find out a little bit more about what the situation is there. Ho- hopefully it's just precautionary. They said it was, yeah. but I... Uh, I never really trust these things until I, I actually get in a, until I have a scan
5: on my desk of Katie's <laughs> ankle I'm not trusting anything. And a flight Australian is not ideal with an ankle.
6: No, it's not great and like even it's not even great for say the three US players who only flew into camp from the states, you know, late la, mid last week and now have to go and do another well, I don't know how long their layover is, minus is 12 hours in Dubai, so hopefully they don't have to go through that experience, but you know, you're looking at a good 24 hours worth of travel after a high intensity game it's not the easiest situation to go into but the fact that they're over there early does mean that they will have time to adjust to the time difference and you know i think the next couple of days what's going to be important is not so much what they're doing on the pitch but probably off the pitch in terms of rest recovery diet nutrition tactics mentality so that we're not falling apart the way that we did last night when we conceded the goals. Um I think if we had just conceded the one and had managed to get in at half time it would it was definitely a sucker punch mm. but there would have been something more to say whereas the two in quick succession the team just looked absolutely dumbfounded by it. Yeah. We kind of regained a little bit of composure in the second half but you just saw that France had that quality where they could just turn a screw on us if they wanted to. And uh, that's what they did. And like, you have to look at this French team. They haven't like when they were playing under Corinne Diac, you know, there was so much consternation within the team, so much, you know, infighting. And that's only started being resolved in the last couple of months since Xavier Renard came in. Um, And they still haven't fully clicked, and I think when they do click, they are going to do some serious, serious damage. World Cup possibly coming too soon for them, but next year I was, I'd, if I was a betting woman, there would be some money.
4: Mm. We, you were chatting to, to Vera Poe last night. I think we have a, we have a clip. What are, what are you talking about here?
6: Um, so just chatting about how she feels the game went she was quite positive afterwards she said like although there were the individual mistakes this is the time to work on these things ahead of the game against Australia
4: cool. let's have a look
7: okay for heading off to the World Cup how are you feeling afterwards very proud um, and the goals against were individual mistakes and we learned massively from it that is why we played this game Um uh, the first, the first game that we set was this game, the latest. I want to have a top five nation at this day. Uh, we managed from there. We built the program because what happened tonight always happens uh, when you play for the first time at this level just before a World Cup or European Cup or Olympic Games. Um, and you can only get ready for Australia to make the mistakes that we've done uh, tonight. Uh, but other than that I think that we have massively impressed Uh, I was really proud of the players, injury time we lost it, Uh, individual mistake Um, they know now that at this level you cannot think I will catch up a a meter because you will not (laughs) and um, yeah, you have to at that moment you just have to stick together get the lines closed so we learn from that too and and the third goal was also individual mistake eh? it was a player running from midfield and was not followed um so those things only help us to get ready for australia and then hopefully those mistakes will not uh, uh well, will not happen anymore
4: yes we do have to look at the positives don't we like
7: oh yeah definitely like when you look at that first
5: 30 40 minutes yeah. like it was exciting to watch you know i was watching it with people that maybe don't always Get a chance to to watch them play, and yeah. they were really excited by it. And I was like, "Yes, you know this this is the type of football we want to play." Um, I suppose going back to the goal again, if that went in, it's what ifs. But yeah. like if that went in, it's a different game altogether. Irish you football doesn't survive on <laughs> what ifs, like not at all. No,
7: no ever, not one never, bit. Never.
5: But it goes in. That's completely different The you know the boost that gives to the likes of Sinead Farley who got the touch on, from Marissa Shiva, who at that point was just playing brilliantly. Yeah her pace is frightening you know there was one she turned on the jets and
6: I she was about like 10-20 yards behind the French player and all of a sudden she was in front of her with the ball and I was like so speedy when did that happen
5: so there is lots of positives to take I just think it's just more game time together maybe going out to Australia now a bit more bonding time all of that you know you've girls coming in there they're making their home debuts as such Mm. you know then they're going to a World Cup. This you is know what you can I can was talking to people about last night, and like Shane,
6: you might know even on the men's side. But like, has there ever been a situation where a team has two players making their home debut? Yeah. it
4: doesn't feel it doesn't feel like it's uh, the normal thing to do. You know, it, it feels like a very strange. But then again, if they're good enough, they're good enough. Yeah, they have to be in the and you probably it's probably fair enough that they were in the squad. So, I mean,
6: oh, like they like they're great players. You can't deny that. Like yeah. I think. I part of me feels slightly sorry for them in that obviously the whole conversation has been about the yeah, players. I, the players who have played with Ireland for so long that missed out and it's also bad for them. But at this stage, you know, they're pulling on the green jersey. We have to get behind them. They are Irish players. No matter how many caps they have to their name, you know, if you have one cap, you're an Irish player. Mm-hmm. So, like we were chatting yesterday about if once you're an Olympian, or not yesterday, it was the day before, once you're an Olympian, you're always an Olympian. You know, you yeah. can't, once you have that senior thing under your belt, I won't say every age level because obviously we have a few traitors in that regard, not looking at anyone in particular. But um, <laughs> yeah, I suppose they've definitely earned their place in that they've put in the performances even if there's still a little bit of work to be done there in terms
5: of making them click with the squad. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a matter of time. I, don't, I think that's all you can do with that.
4: Still some issues to, to iron out for sure ahead of the World Cup in a couple of weeks' time. Of course, the team heading off to Australia, as we said. Today, 7.55am on Friday mornings, O we're going to come back to that game in just a second but first I should mention Off The Ball is coming to the Cork Podcast Festival join us on Sunday 27th of August in the Cork Opera House Jimmy Barry Murphy one of our confirmed guests and plenty more to come as well don't miss out on a great night of conversation and crack in the heart of the Rebel County for tickets go to corkpodcastfestival.ie forward slash off hyphen the hyphen ball after this very short break Manchester United on the Republic of Ireland's Aoife Mannion stay with us
0: You're listening to OTB AM, AM.
4: OK, 7.57am approaching on Friday morning's OTBM, the sports breakfast show with Off The Ball, myself and Ashley, with you until 10 o'clock as well this morning. So Delighted to uh, reflect on the game more now from last night, the uh, French 3-0 win over the Republic of Ireland at Talley Stadium, with the Manchester United Irish star Aoife Mannion. Good morning Aoife, how are things?
8: Hi Shane, hi Ashlyn. Lovely to be on. Thanks for having me on. How are you? how are you?
4: Thanks for coming on. Thanks for coming on. How, how does it feel watching the watching the match last night? Is it is it is it bittersweet? Is it exciting? What are the what are the overriding emotions when you're when you're sitting down to watch the game?
8: I always say it's more nerve wracking watching the games than actually playing in them.
4: Mm-hmm.
8: Um, so I was so excited to see how they got on. Obviously, I know that we're going to we're going to talk about the game, but the overall sense was. Um, leading into the game, just a real sort of happiness for the for them with a the send off game at Tala. Obviously, that game against Zambia last last week. I've family that went to the game, um, so I was really really excited in the lead up for them to get you know a really nice send off heading off to the World Cup.
4: Some some definite positives to take, I guess, from the match last night. I felt like clearly the quality of opposition in France that's about as good as you can expect to play against um, Australia and Canada will certainly be of a, of, a, of a level but maybe just below where France are at in the last few years so I guess getting opposition uh, opposition of that quality is something Vera Pau has, has really hammered home in the last few years that's that's an important thing for this this group of players
8: Yeah I mean mate no joke France are one of the best teams in the world I think they're ranked fifth and really they're a bit of an unknown quantity Um, they have some quality, quality players. Obviously, they've just had a manager, so things have changed with their tactics, with their players. Um, So it would have been hard to really predict what they were going to be like in the game. And crucially, they changed their formation at halftime as well, which I thought really disrupted the flow of the game. Um, I've got one old United teammate. She she was a centre-half in the first half, and then she was like left wing in the second half. And so that sort of speaks to... You know, credit to them their flexibility and how they adapted in the game and I hope that it doesn't get lost in the scoreline that actually France are a really, really top, top team and will definitely be pushing at the World Cup to to do big
4: things. I was uh, listening to, I think it was Karen Duggan on telly after the match last night and she was saying uh, Denise O'Sullivan's late yellow card was I think Ireland's only yellow card in the match and she was making the point she'd like to see a little bit more Physicality, aggression. Now she's not obviously looking for more players to get booked, but maybe a little bit more aggression and and maybe playing playing on the edge. Would you like to see a little bit more of that from the Irish team? That maybe head into World Cup, that could be a positive thing.
8: I think something that you know you could never accuse uh, the girls of doing is not not putting in enough enough effort or um, aggressiveness. So you know, me as a defender, that's kind of my bread and butter and that's all of the girls' bread and butter that are defenders. So, you know, maybe there are instances, I didn't see it myself, you know, I think physicality is something that they will always bring in spades. And also what you've got to remember as well is the formation that they were set out in, Um, our team, Ireland, it's a a five at the back. So it's not necessarily something where there's going to be real clear one-v-one moments all over the pitch. It's a lot more about tactics, containing the opposition and then getting really good opportunities, potentially on the build-up, but a lot on the break as well. So for me, knowing those girls, I I know that that physicality, it can never be questioned and it's always at the fore. But we can always have these questions, can't we?
5: Yeah, if you're definitely playing that style of play, you have to be patient and we were just speaking about the positives there within the Irish performance, mainly maybe the first thirty, forty minutes. For you, what did you make of maybe the link of play up front with Kira Caruso, Sinead Farley, Marissa Shiva in particular?
8: I thought in the first forty minutes we did really, really well. Uh, Kira Caruso has sort of came out of nowhere really in the last few games to develop herself as that sort of lone point target number nine and I'm absolutely delighted for her. She's a lovely girl. Um and certainly in you know in those first first portion of the game, she did really well. She's a really good hold up player. And I think the system that we play in, um, it really suits, you know, having a strong, confident target person. And there was one moment where she kind of I was watching it and she got the ball and then she kind of croifed it behind Wendy Renard. We're talking about the most prolific central defender in the whole world, really, <laughs> when you're not. So, you know, kudos to her, and I hope that she can continue with that confidence. Obviously, my other mates, Amber Barrett and other people like that who who are only going to come into the fore and add on top of that. But really, last night, I think, showed a real taste of what is going to try and bring at the World Cup.
5: We talked about where it went wrong, and we wondered maybe was it Katie McCabe going off? What is it like to be in and around Katie McCabe? Like, is it her presence? Obviously, we see it with, it, with her football, but she wasn't overly having a massive effect football wise last night. But is it her present as well that she she really brings to the team?
8: You know, there's lots of there's lots of leaders on on the pitch in terms of players who are captains for their for their club, which is unusual actually. So, just off the top of my mind, you've got sort of Denise Sullivan at North Carolina, obviously Kate McCabe. Um, I'm sure Louise um, Louise is in the mix there as well but really obviously Katie is our captain so it's not just sometimes what someone does either talking wise or on the pitch it's sometimes it's just that presence mm. it's knowing that you're lining out against someone who really does not they, they have no fear and she does not care who she's playing against what team it is and that can kind of give you that confidence um, and look sometimes moments just happen like that you know I think the moment when France started to be able to bring in some of their wingers into play a bit better and they sussed that that was the way that they were going to have to go rather than trying to play in between our midfield and our defence, which we're always very good at keeping those gaps really small. I think when they sussed that out and they thought, right, we're going to go going to go around Ireland. I think that's when the momentum started to change. So obviously that coincided shortly with, with Katie McCabe coming off. And, you know, as a player, it's never nice to see, a, you know, a, a fellow teammate going off the pitch injured as well. I'm not saying that would have affected. I don't necessarily think it would have, but it's definitely a, a mute moment when, when that happens. So maybe a bit of everything.
4: I'm sure there's a lot of mental fatigue as well with, with the team, Eva, naturally, given the you know the, the tail end of the season, and then of course the the squad selection, the, the pressure and all of that in the last number of weeks. So clearly there's been a lot of I guess stress laid onto these players. So, you know, when you see some of the little things that led to goals last night that, that are maybe concerns, at least I guess they're happening now and not in two weeks' time.
8: Well, it's definitely the case that, you know, what's happening now is a dry run for the, for the World Cup. So you take it, you, ta- you know, you take the little bits and bobs now rather than two weeks time. In terms of maybe being tired or fatigue, um, actually the schedule that that they've been having is, I think, has been really good. It's been giving them a few days off in the week to return to their families in Ireland and, you know, just have a little bit of downtime and then be able to keep that intensity that said, you, you know, as a player, they'd know that they were in the run into the World Cup. So you're always going to have that anticipation. Um, and also you're playing in front of a, a record teller crowd for for the Irish women, you know, Ireland women's games. So there will be that as well. Potentially, it's good to get that extra atmosphere. Um, certainly my first cap for Ireland over in Spain a few months ago, that there wouldn't have been any atmosphere at all. So it's really good that those girls are going to get that in Spain because obviously that first opener against Australia, I think it's in a sellout crowd of something like eighty thousand. Mm. So I, I think I think it's all it's all good things, and it's all it's all hopefully going to be built on and taken forward.
4: Uh, I presume you're you're heading over to Australia yourself in a in a viewing capacity. Like it, it, it's. <laughs> I guess, how do you feel about the whole thing now? Because I know you are so, so close and so unlucky with injuries. And timing is everything, I guess, when it comes to, to squad, squad selection. But how's your how's your your head feeling now? And how are you thinking about it at all at this stage?
8: Well, firstly, thanks for asking. Look, there's a few of us that, that, that just missed out for, for various reasons. And I was gutted, I was gutted at the time. Um, and I think the squad announcement was some, something around Tuesday last week. And I ended up—I I'd, I'd just got um, a knee brace off that I'd had on for a few weeks. And then I stayed over in Ireland for the week. I didn't get in touch with our physio <laughs> back at United. Stayed over, just stayed with my family, and they kind of, you know, got around me. And you know, we did things. I went to the went to the Mayo Dublin um, quarter final in Crow Park. Won't say anything about the result. <laughs> um, so I did a few things just to put my feet back on the ground. You know, take a little dose of reality, and then by the time I came back to England this week, back to United, I've been more of the verb to like approach it in the right way. And I'd said at the time, um, I said at the time, look, I'm going to go to Australia, and I I didn't realise I hadn't really properly got that um okay from, from, from the physios and, and from the manager at United. So I'm pleased to say that they're, they're, supporting that. I'd sort of <laughs> put the, what, what is it? Put, put the cart before the horse. Mm-hmm. So I'd sort of said that and I hadn't actually checked, but they were delighted for me. So, um, I've booked my flights. Um, I'll be eating rice and beans when I'm over there. No, I've put my flights yeah. and i absolutely buzzing to, to sort of go. And I think I'm doing the second best thing. So the first best thing is going over and playing. And then the second best thing is sort of being in the mix as much, of a, as, much as I can. I told the girls that I'm going. Um, so I'm really, really looking forward
5: to it. That's a brilliant mindset to have. Eva, Is that something that you've always had? Like I read your tweet not long after it was announced and you're congratulating the girls and saying how proud they should be. Like that's an incredible way to be able to to look at things. Is that something you've always had? Oh, thank you. I, d- I don't know if it's necessarily something that I've, I've been
8: aiming for, and you know, there's probably moments that you'd catch me where maybe I wouldn't be able to hit that note quite as good. But on the whole, I'm I'm trying to take that mindset, and and also a big thing is knowing those girls, knowing their characters, their personalities, um, knowing their families, knowing if they're anything like my family. That would be one of the the, the biggest the biggest achievements in your whole life. So I'm just so pleased for them to obviously get that opportunity as I would have wanted to have um and so I'm delighted for them and especially for players like Denise O'Sullivan who has just done you know 100 caps on a on her last camp and so there's players that have seen that from from day one to where it is now and it's so it's so important for them to get that you know, almost like the fruits of or the rewards of everything they've put in. So there's that history that comes with it as well, that it will be really, really nice to sit and watch that. And obviously I've only been sort of lucky enough to kind of come into it really late and hopefully my journey will go on well past the World Cup. Um, But there's a lot of those girls who for this has been a long time coming. So that's going to be really nice to sort of see and witness
4: that's the attitude as well isn't it Aoife? Like when you think back to your, to your uh, opening cap as you say against China in February um, like I know it's hard to think beyond the World Cup at this current juncture but all of a sudden in, in you know a month, two months time this will all be over and mm-hmm. I guess the, 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 the future squads will be the question and clearly you have the, the ability and the mindset to be very much a part of the Irish setup for for years to come, you're only 27 as well so I guess you have, you have plenty of time left at the international stage you would imagine and hope
8: yeah, I mean, I hope so. Um, I think the one thing about football is, within with any moment or experience or tournament, there's always there's always one more. There's always the next thing. So obviously, last week when I I've been pushing to try and um, get into the squad, then the next thing is obviously to come back into club, and then you pushing for Champions League or you're pushing for the for the new season and then the, there's obviously things on the international circuit as well but right now obviously I've still got my World Cup hat on and mm-hmm. um, but there is always there is always those things that are sort of pushing you along and remind you that there's just no time to wallow and and also why would you want to miss out on the opportunity to to celebrate to celebrate the girls over in Australia so there's that as well um, and, and if you knew all the girls you, you'd be saying the exact same thing and so that's probably how I look at it
4: You posted um, on Instagram I know you'd suffered that, that knee injury towards the tail end, tail end of the season with, with United and, and, and as, as I said the timing of that is, is terrible um, but you posted an Instagram story I think from Carrington the United training ground with your with your cast off for the first time in a while and then you'd see the Aer Lingus playing heading over to Dublin of course for the <laughs> squad selection but do do you have to then was it I guess up to you to make a pitch to say you know I'm, I feel ready I feel okay or how does that conversation happen because clearly and you, you could see it from Vera Powell in the days leading up to the squad announcement she was dreading having those conversations with players
8: yeah, I would not. I, I definitely wouldn't be um, jealous of those sorts of decisions that managers have to make. As a player, we only have to look after ourselves and, like you're saying, making a pitch for yourself. And so, see, I did get over on the plane and we had a really good conversation, a really long conversation, and I put myself across the, the best that I could. And she has to weigh up so many things, not not just one particular player. She has to weigh up how it's all going to come together. Um, and, and, and ultimately... By by the time you know when we left that conversation, we were able to we were able to have a hug. You know, I was able to 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 wish the team good luck, and so I was so pleased that that I got over. Um, even just to see everyone, and then obviously the the following day to that was when it was when um, the squad was announced, and I I saw the girls before the squad had been in, before that it been announced internally before they knew. Um and you know it's just that anticipation for everyone hoping that that, that they're going to be able to get going and so it was nice to sort of just you know wish people good luck on an individual level um but yeah I, I did go over like looking back now it felt very foreboding me said, putting a picture mm-hmm. of airlink on, on my instagram um it was one of those regional regional uh, airlines as well that is <laughs> bit kind of you know hit <laughs> to each side and a bit sides side to side so um but no, look, it was um it was all I think it was all sort of in the cut and thrust of football and you know, it was all done done in done in the right way and I have I don't take any particular um negative feeling off the back of that. If anything I've sort of feel resolved with the situation,
5: um put my case across and then that was that. Yeah, I spoke to some of the players, we did a send-off party and then the next day as well, which would have been two days after the squad was announced and it was very bittersweet for them. Yes, they were going to a World Cup, they were so excited and they knew it was a phenomenal opportunity, but you couldn't but get the sense that they just you know, felt bad for the players that, that didn't get going. Um, what was it like afterwards when, when you heard the news? Did you get to spend time with them? Were you able to chat to them? That sort of thing? so i i wasn't with them anymore
8: after they had found out i'd I'd sort of left um a bit before that my aunt my aunt had kindly picked me up from u c d um in dublin and we'd went out for some lunch to sort of lick the wounds a little bit um but but no you 're right I, I was I was surprised actually how many of the girls had referenced people missing out in their posts because I think if you looked at Every national team, and sort of took, you know, looked at what people would say about how delighted they were. I think you'd see very, very few players that would even you know, not that you would anyway, but that would even think to potentially mention that it might be bittersweet. And obviously, there are some 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 girls on the team that you know, it it was would have been really, really gutting for them. You know, Jamie Finn, for example, um, and obviously one of my counterparts over playing over here. Um, in England as well, Meg Campbell, you know, fr- through injury. So so bits like that. So it was, yeah, I, I thought like, wow, that's a testament to, to their character as well, that that would even be on their, in, on their mind on potentially the best, not the best day of their life, but the best day of their life, that, that the players would even have it within themselves to to sort of make note of that. And I think that's all the more reason why whatever happens on the pitch in Australia, everybody should be really behind this group of players as a set of people as well.
4: Do you manage, Aoife, to, uh, in the days afterwards, I guess, lean on, I, I guess in, in professional sports, you have the opportunity to chat to sports psychologists and therapists about how you're feeling about all these things. And, and I guess also lean, leaning on the other players that you mentioned there, the likes of Megan Campbell and Leanne Kiernan and, and Jamie Finn, all talented players who were within such a, a, a narrow margin of making this squad, same as yourself. So have you managed to, to talk to, to others, including those girls maybe, about, about how the, the feelings have materialised?
8: yeah definitely I've, I've i've chatted to um i've chatted to a lot of the players um and i've chatted to a couple who weren't weren't able to make the squad in the end i was chatting to megan yesterday for example and i said to her um, you know, are you able to watch? Are you able to watch the game? Because not always would people be able to watch the game so so soon. Mm. And she was like, "Yeah, of course I'm watching it. I have to watch it." So obviously, there's people are personally disappointed, but also have it, have it within us to be like, "No, we have to watch it." We're delighted for them, um, and, and, and bits like that. And you know, mentioned sort of sports psychologists and getting yourself right with your mindset and that sort of stuff. That that's obviously massive as well. Um, And the people that I've been around have have said, you know, that you've had something that you wanted and it didn't happen. And it's sort of what now? How how can we make the best of this situation? And it's just a nice place to to live in when, when you have that mentality.
5: And just looking club wise then as well, Aoife, you know, a brilliant year for Manchester United and you've Champions League football as well to look forward to. Yeah,
8: we've got we've, we've got some Champions League football which is so so exciting because it's obviously it's our first time doing that. And um, we've got into a round of the qualifying for it. So we're not quite in the group stage yet. Um and we're lucky because we came second rather than third, we get to miss out one of the qualifiers and we're lucky because it means we get more holiday. We get an extra week. (laughs) The first qualifier would have been a bit earlier. So that's all helped me go to Australia as well, even if it is as a capacity as a fan rather than a footballer. Um, So yeah, there's lots and lots of exciting things in, in terms of club as well that I'm really excited to. And then hopefully on the 23rd of September, massive, massive, Match up at the at the Aviva for Ireland, and I, I really hope that I can be involved in that.
4: Absolutely, touch wood. Mm-hmm. How, how do you feel about Alessia Russo's departure? I know a lot of United fans and players will be disappointed, like. But I guess that's football. These things these things happen. Transfers, players come and go. Um, it's obviously disappointing for the club, I'd imagine.
8: Yeah, it, it, I mean, it's disappointing for the club. It's disappointing for everyone. It's disappointing for me, um, and it's disappointing because one, she's a you know becoming a world class player. And two, just being around her, um, you know, she she's just so she's just so good to everyone. She's so nice. And um, without when I did my, my knee at United, she wrote me out a little card. She sent me a little anchor bracelet. She's one of those people that just she thinks she thinks about what's going under the lids with with different people and different you know like di- different ones of us. So I'm really really going to miss um, Alessia actually. And, and also we've got. We, well, we had. We, I wish we still had a um, on a on a badger, one, one of the Spanish right backs. So we're going to miss her as well. But definitely Alessia, and you know she's only going to fly now. She's only going to thrive. And unfortunately, it's not going to be at our club. Our club. But as as a friend, I'm I'm going to watch on and, and be
5: excited for her. And just in terms of your own contract, Eva. I know you signed a two year contract back in July 2021. So does this mean that you're able to give us a little bit of an update? You're going to be staying on. I'd love to give a big expose. Out here. <laughs> I, think, I
8: think if I get, I think if I, t- I told you everything, I'd, I'd probably turn over my phone there next to my laptop, and I'd be seeing all sorts of calls. But um, you know, it's really exciting. This, this next couple of year, years are really, really um, exciting, and hopefully, you know, we're all going to find out in, in due course. I'm sorry to be so so vague. I, I wish I could. <laughs>
6: No, so
5: sort of, we yeah, tried our best <laughs> tell you
8: exactly what's happening, but it's, it's only good things, and it's only only things that um, hopefully people will be
5: happy with. Brilliant!
4: I'm sure you weren't being vague as to who you were supporting in Croke Park last weekend, Eva. I know your your I think your dad's from Galway and your mother's from from outside Kilmaine and Mayo. So uh, that's a bit of a controversial one, having a parent from each. But uh, last weekend in particular, I know you would have played a lot of Gaelic football growing up with Warwickshire and that. So I mean, how are the the emotions? Coping in Crow Park last weekend. I'm sure it was disappointing.
8: Oh, it was it was a, a sickening day out. It was it was not what we wanted at all. That first half there was only a point in it at half time and I thought, well actually I had a flight to catch, so I was hoping that it wouldn't go to extra time because I was gonna have to make a call whether to miss the flight, um or or, or obviously um not miss the flight but miss half time. That was where my mindset was. That was where my mindset was at half time that it could go to extra time. Um, and obviously then it sort of, it ran away from us and, you know, it was really, you know, really, really not, not a good watch in the end. So that's such a shame. I had so many family down there. So we were sort of wallowing together, if you like, but I've already started the calls for, um, for Sam 2024. I don't know if it's too soon yet, but it's, <laughs> Never the, too soon. You, it? it's the anticipation that kills yeah. So, um, yeah, it was, it was not the best day out, um, but I, I really don't think that there's anything that will match a packed-out Crow Park. Um, mm. I love Wembley in England. Obviously, that's the biggest sort of football, soccer stadium. But those feels of when you go in and it's you know it's it's packed out at, um, at Crow Park, there's just nothing that will be that for me.
4: I know that Gaelic, Gaelic football is in the heritage. Of the, the Irish community in Birmingham there would be so, so popular. Even uh, I think Jack Grealish would have played Gaelic football growing up as well. You'd have known... Jack, a little bit from primary school, am I right in say, Aoife?
8: Yeah, we went to the same secondary school and then we sort of played for rival Gaelic football teams and we did actually go away with Warwickshire um, on the same team once or twice. Um, and We managed to play in like half-time at a Leinster final back I don't know, like 15, 15 <laughs> years ago, and the the game on Sunday actually it had two teams, one from France and one from Germany that were playing at halftime, which I thought was really cool, and I thought they looked really good. I Didn't know that they played um, Gaelic football in Germany, so that was that was quite that was quite good mm-hmm. to watch actually. And um, obviously, there's an Irish contingent um, over there clearly, um, or else they have just been watching YouTube videos. So no, that was that was really good to watch.
5: What was Jack Relish like as a Gaelic footballer? <laughs> Yeah, he. I mean, he.
8: He was great. He was class, much to my annoyance, because we would have been marking each other in, in the middle of the pitch. No um, always, <laughs> always very skillful, very technical. Um, you know, had, would have had that work rate and that ability to get around the pitch as well. So, no, he was. You know, obviously the shining star of his team. Um, you know, like I say, much to my annoyance.
4: And yeah. <laughs> well, Mayo for Sam, maybe next year. Efa and uh, I know your <laughs> uncle Pat Kelly would have played for Mayo, I think, as well. I'm right in saying
8: yeah and he's actually listening I know that he's listening on to this because I told him um that I was going to be on so hi Pat if you're listening <laughs> yeah. um yeah pat my uncle Pat he used to he used to play for Mayo and that just that just made everything all the more special and exciting and I never forget how I feel as a kid obviously looking up to to people who are playing sports so I try my best to do that for sort of the the young kids now because um, you just yeah you you sort of forget how much of a How much of a special thing it is as a kid to have someone older, sort of, um, to to look up to and to have a bit of a role model. So Pat has a, well, he has two kids now. One of them is called Ava, and she's sort of like uh, not a mini me, but she's Mm -hmm. you know a little cousin. So I always make sure I try and um, you know give her a few United bits and stuff like that to, to to make sure that hopefully she can feel as excited as I did when I was her age looking up to Pat.
4: Absolutely! Shout out to Pat this morning Brilliant. watching in. I yeah. think Pat won a an all and Club title with St. Vincent's as well. So man steeped in GA tradition. Aoife you've been really good with your, thi- with your time this morning. Thanks a million. Hopefully we'll check check back in with you again very soon.
8: Thanks so much. Thank
5: you.
4: Great stuff, Eva Mannion, there. Irish international, of course. Magic United star as well. Always great to hear from.
5: Brilliant. Yeah. What a mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Even the way she's talking about kids looking up to her, needs oh. looking up to her. Like, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. And it's not an easy thing to have when you've had, you know. A loss like not going to a World Cup, you know, very, very tough thing to take. Um, But wow, yeah. That was yeah, incredible. especially
4: uh, considering without the injury, she was a shoo-in probably for the squad. Yeah, you know when you know that you would be there only for the injury, uh, but clearly she's in a good place medley and, and, and fair play to her. Great she's to see. really, really interesting uh, person to talk to as well. Eight twenty-three a.m. on Friday mornings, O to B.M. with myself and Ashley live with you until uh, ten o'clock. Uh, we'll be back in just a second. but I do want to bring you some more reaction from last night's match as well. Here is the player of the match, uh, well, the Irish player of the match anyway, Kira Carusa. Speaking with our own Kathy McNamee. Have a look.
3: Uh, yeah. I mean, result one zero three zero. You don't want to see that. You don't want to walk off the pitch and have played that 90 minutes, especially the nine minutes we put into that game and, and see that result. So that, of course, that I feel like we have to recognize and we have to walk away and, and, and we have to, we have to like, we have to feel that we have to be, we have to remember that like as professionals, like that just can't, that just can't happen. And, but those aside, like the goals aside, I think that the most important thing is that as we felt as a team, especially in that first 45 minutes, is like a feeling I haven't felt like almost ever amongst us. And just this unspoken ability to be like know where each other are our link up play high balls trusting each other moving up the pitch physically and like imposing ourselves on a on a an opponent like that a top five opponent in the world it's very impressive and it's something that I'm I'm very happy to take away from the game
6: yeah it felt like sometimes in the past we've relied on very good individual performances and like that could have been any number of players in the squad they just had a good day but that first 45 minutes until the goals really felt like everyone was moving in tandem with each other
3: yeah I'm glad that you felt that, too. I can't, I, I've i been, like, oh, that's moving interviews. I'm trying. It's really hard to describe because it's almost like this, un, like, again, it's this unspoken ability to, like, trust that when a ball comes into me, I know where a pocket player is going to be. Trust that when Lou passes or picks up a ball, I know she wants to go along with it. And I know, like, I know Katie wants to whip a ball down the line or she wants to pull it back around <laughs>
4: at yeah, 25 a.m. on Friday morning, so to b.m. That was Kira Caruso there chatting to Cathy I Me, mean, She's a breath of fresh air, Keira, Yeah, she?
5: she's great. And I was actually looking there at the her top to see if it was the sky the right way round. <laughs> Did you see this? What was that
4: about? Yeah. I, I saw it during the National Anthem. Yeah, some of the skies were up, upside down. Upside under there.
5: down. It, on Katie McCabe's top anyway, that was the one that was going around Twitter, um, that it was just printed wrong.
4: That was bizarre.
5: Bizarre.
4: I don't know how that happens. Yeah. Castor, of course, the the new sponsors, I guess, and, and kit manufacturers. mm but yeah, to see this, <laughs> this guy thing upside down was a little bit of a
5: They've been known to have these little issues in the past as well, yeah. so um, yeah, hopefully it's rectified and they're not the tops that they're yeah. all bringing with them maybe to I'm guessing it is though, to the yeah, World Cup. Yeah, I know,
4: unless they can print some new ones pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, some comments coming in, keep your comments by the way coming in on the YouTube stream or with you until 10 o'clock this morning. Shifty Lad says, Eva speaking very well maybe she'll be a panellist out there. Shame to miss out on having to pay to be out there, which I know is yes. disappointing. Uh, something she probably never had to th- think that she would be dealing with Dan Delaney says France were top class Ireland looked a little bit off it hopefully this changes for the World Cup but it's hard to see in a short period of time I know what you're saying I'd like to think obviously the Columbia game behind closed doors I think Vera said last night she's going to play two different 11s that's what I gather two different 11s two different halves in that friendly it's of course behind closed doors but Mm -hmm. the Australia game hopefully they'll have picked up and learned from. even if they go a goal behind and again touch wood that doesn't happen they'll have maybe learned how to cope with that
5: yeah again what we were saying the first 40 minutes you know Mm. um, if the goal had went in all of these things but there was enough positivity there I think that you can build on that they have the players like if you look at the talent that's within that squad so I would be keeping definitely optimistic and yeah their group they can definitely get something out of it I feel
4: yeah 100% yes Emma's telling us you can't get the kits I voted weeks ago for my niece it's still waiting nightmare
5: you heard this as well. That yeah, there's just such a backlog. Everyone's
4: trying to get kids for the World Cup mm. for their kids or think, nephews they or whatever. Not be ready just,
5: for this, you know. We want everyone kitted out.
4: Hundred uh, percent. And you saw like, it was lovely to see last Shame. night. That's the the great thing about the the women's matches. Like last night, is they give so much time to the fans. And, and yeah. like, there's so many kids just waiting for autographs and selfies. I don't know how long they have to wait after the matches before they can get off the pitch. But it seems a significant period of time at each at each game. They're it's just incredible.
5: Sworn. And the girls go straight over and they yeah. start signing and getting the pictures and the whole lot and that means a hell of a lot like I've met a lot of them now throughout the games and the same ones are constantly coming back <laughs> and the girls even know them now at this point you know because they're constantly at every game and it, yeah it's brilliant to see and that's only going to inspire them and yeah there's loads of little boys there as well which is brilliant to mm. see they're taking in interest and that's how it should
4: be Yeah absolutely I uh, keep the comments coming in on the match last night Greg Caffrey by the way separately says Shane Monahan are more jammy than a jammy dodger but McManus <laughs> is a legend I don't know how to Take that one. Manus is a legend. Jam- you don't get to an All Ireland semi final if you're jammy. Let's just say that. Uh, I'm on of some good wins. No, this Vinnie year.
5: Corey's doing a serious job, ah, Shane.
4: Quality. and yeah. uh, he's my former Leaving Cert Economics teacher as well. So no way. Shout out to Vinnie Corey. Didn't yeah, know yeah. that. Yes, there you go. We're going to get him in the studio, no doubt. When after the after Monaghan win the final, I was, I was saying <laughs> it to Connor as well. I was like, we can bring the trophy and maybe yeah, show and tell. Mm. Sam McGuire in hand
5: yeah I'll come in that day
4: yeah getting ahead of myself a little bit but uh, <laughs> of course it's, it's just great to have a semi-final to look forward to uh, yeah he's
5: not afraid pass. to make the big calls as well Yeah, obviously McManus coming off the bench That this is the first year of him doing this in championship yeah. that was a massive call in itself
4: oh huge he's played
5: alongside him you know obviously so yeah, it's it's hard to do that to a former teammate.
4: Big time. There's two big games to look forward to this weekend in the hurling championship as well. The semi-finals at eight twenty eight a.m. on this Friday morning's OTBM. We're going to look ahead to Clare Kilkenny. Now we did go a Limerick uh, significantly yesterday. Delighted to welcome to the show this morning the former Kilkenny hurler, uh, former Kilkenny star Kieran Joyce and Brendan Bugler, who of course won the All Ireland with uh, Clare back in 2013. Brendan and Kieran, good morning. How are things? Morning, folks. Good morning. Thanks for hopping on. lads. Uh, much appreciated as per usual. Brendan. Uh, might start with yourself. Uh, the injury concerns, I guess, with Clare coming into this game were were some of the big talking points. David McInerney and John Conlon, though, look like they will be fit, so uh, that's a huge boost for Clare.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I'm not sure what the story with Connor is going to be. I know he's he's named to start, but uh, I suppose we won't really know until until throwing on Sunday, but. Um, Look, when you're going up to an All-Ireland semi-final, you're playing Kilkenny, and um, you're after a little bit them, 12 points last year. You know, the one thing Claire, we want is a, is a, full squad to pick from. And, you know, when you're, when you have players like Conor Cleary, like John Conlon, like David McInerney, who have so much experience, you, you know, that'll, that's Clare need that on Sunday. So, um, if we have all three of them, great. If we have two out of three of them, uh, I'd say that'll probably be a little bit more realistic, but, um, you know they're 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 real, really real good players for Clare cousin, and I suppose they had that physical presence against a uh, physical Kilkeny half-forward. So um, yeah, look at it's great news if we have all three of them.
5: Yeah, for Brendan, for Conor Cleary, he was named to start in the Munster final, if I remember correctly. He didn't play in the end, but his absence was felt. Like, how much of a loss would he be if he's not out there this weekend?
0: Yeah, I think actually right, like you look at the full back position for Clare for, for a number of years prior to Brian Lawn coming in and um you know there was a lot of chopping and changing and it was a problem position for us you know and Connor played a lot of his hurling out at center back and he you know Brian decided to put him back full back and had faith in him there and and he's really excelled and the thing about Connor is he just goes about his business so quietly and he does a great great job for Claire, and I suppose it wasn't until we were missing him, he hardly ever misses a game, you see, and it wasn't until we were missing him that you really felt his loss, you know. So, um, I suppose, especially in the Munster final, Connor had, he'd been used to marking Aaron Galen Galen on numerous of occasions and, um, you know, more often than not, you know, he broke even or got better than Aaron. So, um, yeah, sure, obviously, like, his presence was was clearly, um, or his absence was clearly, you know, felt come Munster final day. But, you know, he suffered a serious injury. I just hope that, that, it, that it's cleared up and he will be uh, he will be available for Sunday
4: Kieran, um Kilkenny in an All-Ireland semi-final just appears to be a different prospect to Kilkenny at, at some other points in the year uh, a big game team Paul Murphy was, was chatting to, to Joe and off, off the ball during the week and he was talking about how he never lost in an All-Ireland semi-final um, is that something that will be in these Kilkenny players heads as well because even if you look at the performance last year 12 point win as Brendan says maybe the gap has has been narrowed though you'd imagine between between now and then Um but still, a semi-final, Kakeni will be confident.
2: Uh, they will, yeah, they will of course. Um, look, it's a sense of deja vu. Um, I remember last year up at the match and I think once John Connell wasn't out, wasn't, wasn't in the team and you know, we knew at half-time the kind of game was effectively over but it's going to be a different prospect this year. Um, I think Clare are in a, are in a, a lot better position. Kakeni, I suppose, is the unknown on our side I suppose because we've had, we haven't had a settled 15 there um, for the last number of games. We've had a few injuries Um couple of players have stepped up. Tom Field has come into the, into the game. Uh, David Blanchfield has really established himself this year. You know, we kind of only seen glimpses of him in the All Ireland final last year when he came on. So it it, it it'll be interesting to see what the starting fifteen is um, and how Kilkenny will feel feel that matchup. <clears throat> I suppose from Kilkenny's point of view, um, they've shown glimpses of of the old Kilkenny. Um You know, you know, they're clinical at times, but the one worry was they've, they've let teams back into games, uh, especially to turn around the turnaround that goal we had, even though I suppose we we got the win um us however, it was. But you know, that's probably the one, the one thing they're going to, to worry about in terms of um, purple patch for Clare. You know, can Clare put us to the sword? You know, are we going to be able to sustain that? Uh, and that. So yeah, look, it's, 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 I think it's going to be a completely different game to last year. Uh, I think it's going to be um, really interesting in terms of the matchups. Uh, how Cuckney will, 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 figure their matchups, um, because I know, look, last year Kikini, you know, uh, Mikey Butler took Tony Kelly. You know, Hugh Lawler was on Peter Dogan at the time, and they really just nullified the threat that Clare had. Um, and that, but I think, look, Clare probably have a couple more strengths to their bow uh, this year. Um, but I suppose Kenny will be looking at how they're going to get the matchups. Will Richard Reed be playing back? Richard Reed sweep, sweeped up a lot of ball last year. You know, hopefully he's fit to come back in. So hopefully we'll, we'll know. Probably t- tonight, I think they'll end the team. So we'll know tonight then how we're going to be lined up. You yeah. would have. Sorry, go on ahead, Ashton.
5: I'm just on that point. I'm wondering, do you think Mikey Butler will? take on Tony Kelly again this year?
2: Yeah, I don't know. I'd i say he he probably relished the challenge, you know, even got up and getting the goals in the <laughs> final, so he's he's quite a he can play anywhere. And I, I suppose last year, I know he's been an awful lot in midfield, you know, and he's winning ball and he was, he was given the right option where, I know sometimes myself and Paul are ever in midfield at times back in the day, we'd just, we'd just go route one, uh, put snow on it into the air, but, um, <laughs> you know, uh, he's, he's he's a different prospect, you know, and he, he, he kind of plays with no fear uh, and you can see that. So, Ideally, probably they probably would, you know. Um, but it, it depends on how we will line out. Like Shane O'Donnell is lined out for full forward. You know, look, we know Hugh Lawler is very established. Whoever goes in on Hugh, you, you know, he should be able to handle. You know, will they put Peter Duncan in there? You know, so it, it depends on the matchups and it depends on whether Kenny are going to follow him or whether they're going to stay in their positions and, and obviously mark whoever comes in. But I would assume, I suppose, what worked last year, um, we'll probably, you know, they'll probably try that at the start and see. But I suppose the Kenny full back line. You know, Tommy Walsh in there is a very established guy as well. He's you know a very tidy hurler um, and that. So it, it depends on who, who how clear line up, especially. And I suppose the first five minutes you'll really see in terms of how they line up, who's, who's going to take who and will they start following the man.
4: Tony Kelly, um, Brendan has. Um, I, I, we've probably run out of superlatives to use to describe Tony Kelly, but uh, maybe throw us out a few more there. Like, what, what's he like to 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 play with? I guess, but also he's just added so much to this uh, Clare team. And three, four, the last day in the quarter final against Dublin, and some people were saying he didn't even play that well.
0: So we all know how good Tony is. He's a, he's a terrific, he's a terrific player, curler. Um what Tony has been doing the last three or four years for Claire, we had seen that at club level for, you know, five years previous to that. And uh, I suppose we'd seen that before that back in, in 2013 when he got player of the year. So I suppose he's really, since he's become captain, he's really grown into that leadership role and um, his performances have been, you know, over the last couple of years, it's been all star. It's been all star stuff every single year. So he's a huge, huge, huge player for Claire. And I think, I think last year, a lot of people are forgetting that. You know, going into that All Ireland semi-final, Tony did pick up a little bit of a knock. You know, in the extra time period of the Munster final last year, and that kind of carried into the Wexford game and and obviously into the All Ireland semi-final. So he wasn't at full tilt; he wasn't at hundred percent. And I know Mikey Butler had a good game that day, but you know, this year is just a a completely a completely different year. And I think Dicey was on about there about matchups here and matchups there. We won't know what's going to be the story until the ball is thrown in on Sunday and that's the reality of it. Like, you know, I'd imagine Kilkenny will will look at the clear full back line if Conor Cleary isn't there and they might bombard a couple of high balls in there and test out the boys and you know we're gonna to have to be really, really on it there. But I suppose from a Clare point of view, going up last year, you know, you were you're you were really, really confident on the back of a real good Munster campaign. And then, you know, after fifteen minutes, Kilkenny just came out and they absolutely just blitzed us. So I suppose this year what I'm looking at is to see where the energy level's at. You know, and I was really, really happy, I suppose, leaving the Gated grounds against Dublin that there was no win in energy levels, you know, compared to the, the Munster Championship. And, you know, we were on it from the start, albeit, you know, the accuracy wasn't, um, wasn't on song, especially in the first half, but the energy levels were there. And, and, um, if they're not there, well, you're not going to give yourself, you know, much of an opportunity to win. And you could see that with Tipperary. You could see the same with Tipperary and Galway in the first 20 minutes. Galway were on it, they were burning the intensity, they were burning the energy, and uh, Tip couldn't handle it, you know, and uh, and Liam Chidi came out in the Sunday game afterwards and he mentioned a stat about the number of turnovers and tackles Tipperary had against Limerick in the Munster Championship in comparison to what they had against Galway, and it was just chalk and cheese, so, and that's the big thing, it's about, you know, Kilkenny are going to burn it, and I just hope that we can burn it as well.
5: And Brendan, what's your view on the free taking situation with Clare? Is that a concern for for Brian Low? And I know they changed it up a little bit in the Munster final, and Tony went on them in the end. You know, Aidan McCarthy, Mark Rogers has been on them as well. So, what is your view on all of that?
0: Yeah, it's it's look, we have we have good we, we have good free takers in Clare Ashling. Um, Aiden obviously is out the next day. So Mark Rogers was on him, um, against Dublin and he, you know, he, he struck him really, really well. So I'd imagine I'd see, I'd, I'd have no problem with Mark hitting trees in an All-Ireland semi-final. He has that temperament. The one thing Mark has, you know, right throughout his underage career, you know, he's, he's, he's got a lot of attention from defenders in this game and that game at club level. And he's, his temperament is exceptional. And, um, you know, you need that as well when you're a free taker that. That excellent temperament, and he's got it. So uh, I'd imagine I'd see him starting in the freeze anyway. And um, if things are going bad, we also Tony is back up there anyway.
4: Uh, I suppose, Kieran, we we touched on on Tony Kelly uh, with Brendan. We should touch on T.J. Reid with yourself as well. would be rude of us not to, um, how he's still producing what he's producing at this stage is is quite remarkable. Um, how how can you see? Claire Marshaling him. I don't want you. Obviously, you're not going to give away state secrets and, and tell Claire how to do it. But uh, if you were the Claire manager, I guess what? How would you? How would you? I guess deal with TJ Reid?
2: Um, that's a question. I suppose with TJ last year he had an exceptional semi-final and final. A lot of people are saying after the final with TJ, oh, you know, form might have been there. You know, when you reached and so and, and throughout the year, TJ, I suppose, you know, he was, he was showing glimpses of it from this I suppose what we expect and that's the problem with like TJ, and Tony Kelly, they have exceptional games and you know that's the standard and if they don't hit that standard every day they say that they have a poor game. But I suppose T J you know the amount of assists, the amount of puck outs he wins and bring other players into game, you know, has been phenomenal for him. Um so he, he will be a Route One um distributor for Tihenny. Uh we go along enough, lot still we play through the lines at times, But um I suppose the one, the one concern I have for many of the times that, you know, our half-forward line at times we, we didn't break the lines uh, there. goal Galway, It took Wally West to come on and really bring a big influence on that. You know, he broke the line a couple of times. You know, we got got a goal from it. from him. And then even I think Dave Blanchard won a ball, he broke the line as well. And then Mikey Butler was there to give it to us. So we need Ken to be breaking the lines against Clare. Because we know Clare an established half back line. You know, if that half-back line starts, you know, they will, you know, Putting ball down top of your lines has really come on the last year or two. You know we're not going to not going to have much headway. So TJ is the option in the full forward line. Uh, he has an exceptional hands, but um, I would say is if you ever caught in front of TJ, you're in trouble. Uh, you, you always need to be behind him. He's uh, just a great guy to win a ball, and he finds his catch the last second. So um, I'd say for any clearer, man you have to make he's always behind TJ and, and always he's in front of the goal instead of having DJ in front of the goal.
5: Another dangerous aspect as well, he's five points behind Patrick Horgan for the all-time leading scorer, so maybe that's something that'll be in the back of his mind as well.
2: Yeah, oh yeah, you probably heard stories of Peter, like, you know, he, he talks when he betrays and stuff, he jees himself up and he, you know, he kind of has many mind game competitions with himself as well. Um, I think Paul used that there a couple of weeks ago, but uh, yeah, he's that sort of character, you know, He's, he, he'll think about it, you know, but he won't. He won't, he won't see that as, as end all. He, he's, I suppose TJ is a pure team player. Um, he's probably the most selfless player I've seen in terms of he wins the ball. because his first instinct is not to score. His first instinct is to look around and see if a, a killer passes on.
9: Mm.
2: So we've seen that happen. Um, whereas you know other players might get caught. The they might think, "Oh, I will take my score here." TJ scores. We see if it's a goal on first. No goal on first end take the score. So he probably is, and that's why Tikenia put so dependent on maybe the last five or six years. Um, you know, Mark Jones has been there in the last couple of years, to really a real goal threat. Obviously, all Cody's there as well, really goal threats. And they have kind of stemmed the goal because the dependency is not really on TJ there. Um, uh, I suppose TJ is still a root on you know, he's that player that wins 30 ball, he's that player that wins a sixty forty ball that sometimes you face yourself, other players probably win, TJ will win and he you know, he immediately picked the right option, and even in the centre final there, you know, that chaotic corner seed there, where the ball allowed to try to pick the ball, and TJ actually lost his hurl, he went down, he attacked the lad with no hurl, he picked back up the hurley, he, he eventually then won the ball, and, and I think it was, um, passed it off, and then, um, it wasn't TJ who passed ball. But, but, the thing about it is, you know, that was the 75th minute, you know, he had the, the wearable, to not foul, you know, get the lads to huddle in, you know, and that's the kind of experience he yeah. brings. And I suppose for us, the last, actually last game, you know, Chris Connor kind of folks came in, um, you know, kind had a feature in, when he came in, he'd done a great job at midfield, you know, obviously Wally came on, of the old guard and obviously he came on then and, and, and still the limelight, you know, but uh, I think that's that's great for uh, the experiences there, youth is there as well, so it's a nice blend. But The one thing is, yeah, it depends on you know, TJ. Still, we're hoping he has a great final. You know, and we probably will
4: need him to have a, a seven or an eight hour to get over Clare. Uh, Brendan, the uh, the wide situation for Clare is that a, is that a concern going forward? Because even in the win over Dublin, early on in the game, especially you know the the shooting accuracy just wasn't exactly there. Um, but is that some, I guess it's something that can be that can be. Stamped out of the game uh, in in training, you know you can work on, on on that. So at least it's something that can be that can be fixed. But it was a, was it a concern? I guess uh, so far this season,
0: <clears throat> I don't think it was a concern so far this season, Shane. But um, it was a little bit of a concern against Dublin, and I think going going forward to this game is definitely something they will probably looked at in training and um, might have done a lot of shooting drills, etc., etc. But I I think it was funny in in the it grounds that evening because all four teams were guilty of uh, really bad rides you know, in, in the Galway. Every game, you know, the exact same story. You know, some ridiculous wides that you, you usually wouldn't see from you know top quality players. So I think there was something in the wind or the way it was swirling around in the Gaelic grounds that evening. So, um, you know, when you're leaving, when you're leaving after a win and after scoring five twenty six, I don't think you're going to look at the uh, shooting efficiency and think oh, geez, this is a major major concern, but. Look at if you're nitpicking and you're looking at aspects where you can improve, of course, you're gonna look at you're gonna look at that. And I think when you look back to twelve months ago, especially in the first half, Kilkenny, I think I think uh, to the best of my knowledge, had only one wide, maybe two wides, right? And then down the other side, we were hitting um, with a lot of uncharacteristic wides. Um Kilkenny's shooting efficiency was just off the charts in the first half. Now, look in the second half, we would have we would have beaten him in the second half. But obviously it wasn't enough, and uh, this still came out and beat those twelve points. So, yeah, when you get into Crow Park, you know, it, it, as we've seen this season, it's just such fine margins, and it's 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 a ball here, it's a ball there, it's a point here, it's a point there. So, when you're looking at everything and all these fine margins, um when it comes to shooting efficiency, and Brian alluded to that after the Munster final as well against Limerick, that it just wasn't good enough. Um when you're looking at everything, it needs to be on point on Sunday.
5: Yeah, going into the game, Brendan, how, how does it feel in Clare? Like, what's the buzz like? I suppose talking to people, they would think that Clare maybe are slight favourites going in. They've been the team of the championship so far, I would say. What does it feel like in Clare? Are you confident?
0: Um, I think weary more than Anton Like, you have to be realistic here as well. And uh, I've said a number of times here in the last 10 minutes about the, the fact that can you beat Clare last year by 12 points in, an hour in the semi final. You know, and if we can. If Claire can go and Claire can turn around that, it's going to see, she's you know, this team has, has come on leaps and bounds in 12 months. I do think we're going into the game in a better position than we would have gone into it last year. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of aspects, a lot of things to take into consideration. I think the Crow Park thing is, is one, you know, Kilkenny are well used to playing in Crow Park. Kilkenny are well used to winning in Crow Park. Clare, yeah, we were up there in 2018. We were up there last year, but we didn't win either of those games. And the last time we won was back in 2013. So, there's a reason why Brian and the management team look for the most defined we played in the Gaelic grounds, and that was because of the the, familiar, the familiarity with the Gaelic grounds. You know the order, of the day, the the routine, eating times, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Those Kilkenny boys are well used to travel to Co Park, and it's just you know it's different for Clare. You know it's different for Clare going up there, and I just hope we we have learned from the experience of going up there last year and playing in our in the semi final, and hopefully can rectify the rounds this time around. But really, Ashton, to answer your question. Yeah, confident, but really, really wary. You know, you're playing a team like Kilkenny. We've only beaten them once ever in championships. So, yeah, that's the way it is.
4: Kieran, it was never going to be an easy job coming in off the back of Brian Cody's tenure uh, with Kilkenny, but Derek Ling has certainly so far this year done a a fairly decent job, it has to be said. You would have been been involved when when Derek was was selector under Brian. So, I I guess, no surprise that that he's come on leaps and bounds and, and I guess taken over that mantle with ease.
10: Yeah, I suppose, yeah, look, absolutely, you know, he he stepped in, um, and obviously, you know, there hasn't been a massive change, I suppose, in the panel, I suppose, yes, in terms of the rebuilding piece, but, yeah, look, Derry came in, Derry could have a good relationship built up with a lot of them guys, you know, he was obviously involved under Brian there for a number of years, um, I suppose his he, management style is a little bit different to Brian. You know, he he's probably be more talkative to the, to the players and that kind of stuff in terms of interactions. And I suppose I suppose the next way, I suppose, how, um, how management is kind of going. Um, and obviously he brought in a very good background team. You know, there's a lot of experience there on the background team. You know, you've got Peter Barry there. Um, you know, he's, he's a very, very good coach. Um, even at, at club level, James Stevens there, you know, he's, he's been highly regarded there for the last number of years. And obviously Michael Rice, you know, we all know Michael Rice is... Um, um, you know, pedigree with Kenny as well so a lot of them guys came in obviously from the under-20s scene and I suppose they kind of broke the back in terms of winning All-Ireland with the under-20s because, you know, the last time we actually won All-Ireland on the under-20s I was playing. You know, that was I think it was 2008 like, you know, we'd lost three finals since and that was kind of a, Inkey Kenny was kind of unusual, you know, so that was kind of a, a great kind of watershed moment, I suppose, for Kenny again, this new underage that we're starting to win on the under-20s again. And, you know, that team then obviously progressed into the senior ranks. And, you know, he's there, you know, and it, I suppose just plenty of players coming. Hopefully we, we, we'll see that, um, I suppose. But at the moment, you know, he's, he's, he's able to get the most out of, out of the team that he has. He's managing, the, the, you know, the older cohort, which is, which is important as well. You know, he has them kind of peaking at the right time. Uh, and, and I suppose that's what Kenny do. You know, we're very good at that. You know, peak for semifinals, finals, you know, at fitness level, at intensity level, you know, and you kind of go up through the gears. And, and that's what they look like they're doing at the moment. And, you know, if we have a full-strength panel and a full-strength team, and, you know, pick the starting 15 that we want, you know, I think we'll be there. So, fingers crossed that we get that.
5: It feels that a very dangerous prospect to have a Kilkenny team going into an All-Ireland semi-final as maybe slight underdogs.
10: (laughs) Yeah, well, Asher, we'll, we'll, we'll take that. You'll we we take love that. being called underdogs, <laughs> um, so we will. But uh, no, absolutely, I think you know. Um, I, look, I think the mood in Kenny is, you know, we all know that last year's game, you know, it won't be that way. We all know. Look, Clare probably, you know, the, the, the monster championship they've come through. You know, they are a very weathered team. You know, they are, you know, physically weathered as well. You know, in terms of some of the games, and even you know, the games at Limerick as well, the intensity. You know, some of those games, I suppose, we haven't seen. I suppose for the year, you know, has Kenny experienced that yet? We probably haven't. You know, we had glimpses of it there against Galway so you know that's probably the one the one thing you know that you'd say you know has Kenny been really tested like Clare have been tested yes um, and that and you know that, that could come in, in the semi-finals you know will he be up for it absolutely you know hopefully we we'll just have the legs and we'll have the the mentality to you know match that intensity that we think Clare is going to bring
4: uh, Briefly lads before we let you go we should get the predictions um, Start with yourself Brendan tell us who the two finalists are going to be we'll, we'll, uh, you can tell us the winner of Galway Limerick as well sure <laughs>
0: um Yeah it's for look at it like it's, there probably won't be a poker ball between between Gaul or Limerick, there probably won't be a a ball between Clare and Kilkenny. Uh, if I was to pick the Gaulie one, I'd probably I'd probably say Limerick. I'd probably say Limerick by a couple of points. Um just because they have a know how they 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 know how to eke out results. Um and you, you can, when Limerick get to when Limerick get to crow power. They're just are um, a serious outfit. So I'll probably go for Limerick in that one. Um with our one, uh it's 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 a lot more difficult because as I said, I'm just hoping that Claire bring up a performance that has bundles of energy, like they have shown in the Munster Championship. And I do believe that we didn't bring that last year. And if we can bring that this year, I do believe we'll be in with a chance, but you'd have to say, I don't know where they're coming up with Claire as, as being favorites for this game. they can hear here after winning <laughs> the Leinster Championship. They lost an All-Ireland final it. last year by, by less than a puck of a ball. Like it's, it's, it, and, and they beat Claire by 12 points last year. So I think the bookies, if they're putting Clare as favorites, they've got it. Have a, have a chat to John there about the the odds there. Will you? <laughs> <laughs> I think they've, uh, I think they've gotten well around, but, um, yeah, I think if we can deliver a performance I would be I'll be hopeful that we'll be there thereabouts. But uh, yeah, sure look at if I had to pick it, I'll go Clare Limerick.
4: Lovely. You're off that fence, Kieran, with yourself.
10: <laughs> oh yeah, Bugs, is well used to going on the fence, so a it's, it's longer after <laughs> <I should> <laughs> Um But uh no look I look I think good the Gallery Limerick game, you know, I suppose we haven't seen the level of consistency of Golden to say that, you know, can they stay with Limerick, you know, for seventy minutes? I don't know. You know, we just don't know. You know, with, with Galway, they could they come out one day and they could beat any team in the country. Another day, then you know they show glimpses of it, but the consistency is not there. But look, we do know what Limerick have. They have consistency. They've shown that throughout. So that's why you know I would see Limerick would be the favourites there. I'd see Limerick probably coming through that. On the other side, um, Clare kenny I look. I do think it'd be an awful lot more closer game. Um, I think, obviously, for McKennie to win, we need to score goals. Um, and that's the the big the big thing that's obviously, for us, we have been scoring goals. Mossy Keown, I suppose, it had a hamstring uh, issue there. So, word from the camp is everyone's fully fit and able, apart from McCarey, who's out for illness reasons. But, um, you know, I think if we have the full start of 15 that we want, that have to start, um, and the experience there... Um, you know, I think it's going to be a fantastic battle. You know, like even the cornerbacks for, for Rory Hayes and Hogan are, are you know two exceptional cornerbacks for Clare, and the battles they're going to have with Massey and Noel, Cody are going to be you know they're going to be brilliant. So you know that's the kind of the key battles. You know, if we can get on top, you know, in a couple of key areas, I think we will win it. Um, I think obviously from us it's obviously stem the tide. You know, if we. Get the matchups with with and, and subdue Tony and you know uh, Mark Rogers and you know even Ian Galvin is a, is a fantastic player as well. You know he came on he had a massive impact there the last day. So you know if we can curta- curtail a couple of those key men for them, Kenny will you know dog the game out. So I would say Kenny by three.
4: Kenny by three. Okay, interesting. So a Limerick <laughs> Kenny final for you, Kieran, and a Limerick Clare final for you, Brendan. At least your arses aren't sore anymore. You're you're off that fence. <laughs> Fair play, yes. <laughs> You're not sitting on it anymore. <laughs> well done. Uh, we got you there eventually, lads. Fair play. Kieran, Brendan, enjoy the match of the weekend. Thanks a million. Thanks, guys. Good stuff, lads. Kieran Joyce, former Kenny Herder and Brendan Bugler, of course, formerly of uh, Clare. You kind of have to predict your own card, don't you? <laughs> yeah, you
5: it's what's like coming. Like eventually. Eventually
4: they'll get there. They'll obviously play up the other team. Yeah. And then they'll say, oh, yeah, but... I think we'll win by yeah, point two. but
5: even on the point of what Brendan was saying I don't know where they're getting these odds and how <laughs> clear are these slight favourites but Paul Murphy uh, former Kilkenny Kenny hurler on the hurling pod he said that you know what even next year whoever comes through Munster <laughs> will probably always be slight favourites yeah. because everybody looks at them to say they've had the harder games the harder way through you know they came through Munster so maybe that's always the way it's going to be whether it's Dublin Galway Kilkenny whoever it yeah. is that'll be there next year whoever's the Leinster you know winners it'll probably always be that way but yeah I know Kilkenny going in as maybe underdogs <laughs> is final. Like,
4: we were yeah. chatting in our uh, post-show production meeting yesterday and saying you know, the, the conversation all year has been the dominance of the Munster Championship over the Leinster Championship I mean how funny and ironic would it be if Kilkenny and Galway progressed to the All-Ireland Final this weekend Do you know it, after all that talk about Munster's dominance over yeah. Leinster you never know it's unlikely but um, both slight underdogs, I guess, with the bookies. Who are you going with? We have the quick picks, the GA quick picks later on this morning that yeah. I have to pick, which I'm currently leading, by the way.
5: Uh, sorry, I don't know how I'm not in them. I was, uh, Yeah, up there last year. I think I came second. Right. Well, Tommy First cheated, loser, yeah. It was yeah. me and Will. So, yeah, I'll have that chat with Columbo after this, yeah.
4: Uh, you see... I'm doing so you see I, I picked Monaghan I was the only one to pick Monaghan last weekend which was you, again you have to opt for your own county fair play I'll probably be the person who opts for Monaghan against Dublin as well it's just one of those I, you can't, I can't possibly predict against my, my home county uh, this weekend I'm thinking look I, I'm half Galway I'd love to be opting for Galway I just think this is possibly the end of the road one score game I think it will be but uh, Limerick for me and the Kenny Clare game I, very tough I can't call that one yeah, I'm 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 slightly edging towards Kilkenny, um, which might surprise some people. But yeah, I think maybe possibly a Limerick Kilkenny final.
5: Yeah, it's hard to look past Kilkenny. I think, you know, obviously going off experience, TJ Reid, everything that goes with it. But yeah, yeah I don't know. Was it written in the stars to have Limerick clear All Ireland final? Yeah,
4: look, I'd be happy with any of these finals because regardless of the outcome outcomes this weekend, the final is going to be a cracker because either of those outcomes is going to be brilliant. Yeah we we'll move on 8.55am 8.56am now on Friday morning's OTB AM the sports breakfast show from Austin Ball myself and Ashleen, live with you until 10 o'clock this morning time to return attention to uh, rugby. <laughs> I should mention Up the Hill for Jack and Jill 2023 in aid of the Jack and Jill Children's Foundation and kindly supported by Abbott is urging people to take to the hills throughout the summer in support of local Jack and Jill families every 18 euro registration fee will help fund one hour of in-home nursing care and end of life support for over 400 children with highly complex, life-limiting medical conditions countrywide, organisers are urging people to team up with family, friends, neighbours and colleagues and go up the hill for Jack and Jill this summer. To register your Up the Hill fun- fundraising event, visit www.jackandjill.ie. Delighted to be joined on the show this morning by the Connaught Captain and Jack and Jill Ambassador, Jack Hardy. Jack, good morning. How are things?
9: Thanks for having me, Shane, How's How it going?
4: Keeping well, man. Keeping well. Thanks for hopping on. Uh, you've been involved with this initiative for, for a bit of time. It's... a uh, it's an absolutely wonderful uh, fundraising initiative and something that that's uh, clearly massively important and, and important to you as well.
9: Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I suppose to give you context, it's kind of been in in uh, around our family for quite a while in regarding um, my dad used to work with Jonathan, the founder, um, 20, 25 years ago, and then it was founded. Um, so it was always something that was kind of there in the background, whether it be uh, support in whatever small way we could, um, and then an opportunity came to come on an official capacity. Then two years ago, I was invited to the family fun day in Palmerstown House, um, and kind of from there it just took off. So it's been brilliant. Um, we did up we did up the hill last year. It was last October we did it. It was actually after one of the I think it was after the Munster game after we came back from South Africa. So I was in the depths. <laughs> The depths of the Galway winter or Galway autumn. Um, so we'd won the we'd won the night before, and myself and a couple of the teammates and family did it. And we woke up and it was kind of your typical Galway weather. So um, it's great. They're, they've moved it now, I think, to more of the summer months and the coming months um, in front of us. So I'm looking forward to doing it on a nice, nice sunny day.
4: I think it's the ninth annual uh, up, up the hill for Jack and Jill being organised and, and they're hoping to raise €75,000 as well for the, for these vital services for more than 400 families nationwide. That apparently is the equivalent of over 4,000 hours of in-home nursing care and respite support. So I guess it just goes to show you, Jack, that the, the, the money here clearly goes a long way.
9: Yeah, definitely. At the launch um, the other day we were up in St. Stephen's Green in Dublin and I had the privilege to meet Grace and um, Who's a child? Um, Who's availing of the services with Jack and Jill? And I was just speaking to, to his mother, and she was like, he on the way to uh, Saint Stephen's Green that morning. He had had two seizures, um, and she kind of spoke to us about, I suppose, what Jack and Jill means means to her. The fact that as he spoke about there, them couple of hours that she can get, whether it be to, you know, get an extra couple of hours sleep, whether it be to go and get her nails done, her hair done, um it's kind of them small little things in terms of the breathing space she gets that allows her to, I suppose, to be at her best for grace. And so, um, yeah, it's been a, a massive honour to be involved and I'm looking forward to continuing and helping in any capacity I can.
5: And Jack, how do people get involved? Can it be any hill, any mountain? Is it is it up to yourself?
9: Yeah, Anthony, there's nothing too big or too small. Um, I suppose if there's anyone in the go area when, when we're going to do it, um I'll probably set something up on on Twitter, Instagram, the next couple of weeks, and hopefully we can get a I get a good number of people out. Um, if it's someone, it can it can even just be a walk. I know there's a man in Lochray this weekend He's pushing um, a hospital hospital trolley thirty kilometres um, to raise awareness as well. So um, I know there's some children building kind of bun hills as well. So. Um, The more innovative it is, the more kind of outside of the box it is, I think is anything to do with it can that it helps would be great.
5: So what was the hill after you played Munster like?
9: (laughs) Um, We we did um, Diamond Hill out in Galway.
5: Fair play. Uh, So how far is that? Pardon? How far is that?
9: Uh, It's about an hour's drive out. And then when we got there, um, it was about an hour up an hour and a half up an hour but down so actually it wasn't too taxing the year before um the year before when I kind of came involved foolishly I'd left it to kind of the last few last few weekends in October um and again it was the day after we played scarlet and didn't do any planning So I'd highly recommend that people will plan. So I was driving out to Connemara and I was like trying to find the hills. I just parked uh, (laughs) on the side of the road and then hopped a fence and ended up being up to my knees in in bog. So I think if anyone is planning on doing something to the equivalent of that, I think planning um, and obviously going with um, a couple of people don't do what I did bring the wellies as well yeah. yeah. that story. The, waiters. <laughs> the
4: waiters Yeah. Uh, how, do you, how do you feel about the season now Jack it's all done and dusted I guess the, I'm thinking back immediately to of to season you think of the, the, the famous win against Ulster up in Kingspan Stadium in Belfast and, and your 15 points from the boot that day uh, to Seela a, a very famous win um, is that one of the highlights of the season or how do you reflect generally in the season
9: yeah I think so look um, I think after we played in South Africa. I think there was a massive level of disappointment. I think it was an opportunity that we that we had missed. And I think that was the general consensus amongst the group. I think what the, the Ulster game has given us is that confidence in knockout games. and know there was quite a few up until that point where we hadn't got over the line. Um, and to get over the line, albeit not being at our best, when we actually played up in Ravenhill, um, you know, it was a massive shot in the arm for us starting this year. We, got, we started back on Monday, so we're back into... Back in the thick of it already, um, and yeah, great welcome. And a couple of new faces in also.
4: There was a smirk on your face there, when you said we're back on last Monday. Like <laughs> I, I, I imagine that smirk doesn't convey your true feelings about being back. But uh, this time of year, I'd imagine it's fairly tough preseason. Usually not enjoyable.
9: I um, suppose it's you know what it's kind of speaking to a lot of fellas here. We obviously had five weeks off, um, and obviously a lot most of us were. Have kind of been in this rugby environment for quite a long time, and your your creature's of habit, and kind of the missing out routine, I know that's what something that a lot of lads were were longing to get back to. But uh, yeah, you're right. As, as you said, the 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 running and the up downs and whatnot. It's obviously a shot to the system initially, but and um, you know it's going to be all well worth it. Obviously, Pete, and and then the new backroom team are there, so getting to getting to grips with the new kind of ideas that they have, and the new players that we have as well. So it's it's a lot of familiar, familiarity but then there's obviously a lot, of, a lot of new things as well
5: yeah it's probably something a little bit different is not having Andy Friend around anymore obviously five years there and you he's quite a close relationship with him what's it like to to not have him there anymore
9: yeah so, I was actually only speaking to him I sent him a text when we started back um, on Monday and I was just like look um, we're starting on another journey I hope you're enjoying enjoying yours I think he sent me I think it was in Switzerland or Austria he was there was a picture of it <laughs> The side of it, like, so he's having a great old time, um, regardless. But yeah, um obviously, there's the the coaching side of it and the mentor side of it that Andy provided to us, but also the the friendship. Um, you know, when he left, I went out for went out for a meal with him and his wife Kerry, and um you, you're lucky enough to come across different personalities when you're playing rugby, and there's obviously some people, you know, you're not gonna be able to keep in contact with everyone but um friendy's definitely one of the one of the people that the majority of us will stay in contact with, whether that be um when we go down to Australia and meet him or when he kinda comes back. He's due to come back in November, so um it'll be great to catch up with him again. He seems to have changed the the attitude
4: around Connacht as well, uh, Jack. Like he, he, even just his connection with the fans and players as well. But I know he, he would have taken us out to different uh, camps in Ballinay and Gorton across the province as well. So it wasn't just a Galway focus. It was very much a connect with, you know, Connacht fans across the province as well, which was great to see.
9: Yeah, well, definitely. I think um, it's across the across the wall for me. There, it's about like representing. I know some people from outside of Connacht may kind of see. Um, Connacht is, I suppose, go, Galway club, but um, you know we're we're very proud of representing the all the all the counties. We've um, for our like mini groups now this season. We obviously have split the group into into six, so we've the five counties, and then we made the Gaeltacht as our as our six. So um, we we're planning on doing a, a Jersey day. So we've been trying to get through to Roscommon Ga to get ten Roscommon jerseys. So uh, hopefully, they will get them in the next few weeks for us to. train with. Um, But yeah, it's all about connection with uh, the province, the fans, the people we represent. Um, And I suppose it's not a thing that can be overlooked likely. It's something that you have to continually invest in, continually look to grow. Um, On Monday, we had the kids from Galway Bay Rugby Club. They came in and presented us with with our kit, which, you know, you can see that there's a massive bonus on it. Um, Usually these things might in other places be done kind of as token gestures, whereas you know here we're really trying to connect with with our fans and connect with our province.
4: Should have played uh, bingo. How long does it take us, common man, to bring up us, common g a It didn't take, didn't take too long. <laughs> we got <laughs> maybe in the first time was done. But like it, it's it's fair. Like Jack, to be honest, we had. Uh, Davey Burke in studio twice just after he got the, the, the Roscommon senior job and he, a couple of weeks ago, or last week or two, uh, after, after the season to reflect on it all and like he was telling a story back in November about getting the job and not realising how much Roscommon people loved Gaelic football and like, he was sitting at a petrol station somewhere in Roscommon and a lad just literally taps in the window and is just mad to talk to him about Roscommon football <laughs> days after he gets the job. Uh, I presume you get to follow it fairly closely still. You would have been a multi-sport phenom back in the
9: day yourself. Yeah, I, I remember um our my club team, St Bridges are playing in an all ireland final um a good couple of years ago. And we were up in Crow Park and they, they they'd they won. And I was walking out delighted and I remember uh someone came up to me and he goes, I bet you wish you play the Gaelic football now. Um <laughs> but yeah, it's it is massively tribal. Like we have uh here in Connacht, myself, Niall Murray and Darren Murray, we're all from the same Gaelic football club. Um Dennis Buckley, obviously from Ruscommon, kind of via Black Rock, so I don't know who who he kind of is shouting for, but and yeah, there's immense pride um, in where we're from and who we represent. A lot of the even Jared Butler, um, he's convinced us he's a he's a Mayo man as well, so he goes around with Mayo, Mayo jerseys. So I think there's there's a bit of crack being knocked out of as well, which is a which is a good thing.
5: And was it hard at all to maybe pick between the sports?
9: Uh, it was, I actually, yeah, so I actually did pick, I picked rugby and then I actually didn't end up subsequently getting into the, the Conant Academy, so it was a kind of couple of months there for, where I was enjoying college life in Galway and playing rugby with, um, Buccaneers back in Atlanta and Nigel Carlin, who's the, is the attack coach with, with Glasgow now at the moment. I remember he got in contact with me, um, I think it was the first or second week in January, rag week was about to, <laughs> was on the horizon in Galway and he was like, uh, you know, if you if you come back in you know, my attendance now, which was which was I suppose voluntary at the time, kinda was really high at the start and then kinda dwindled towards uh towards the back end of it. But he was like, Look, it's a contract there for you if you want it and um, but we need to get your attendance back up. You know, it was like fine, just give me two more weeks of college, I need to get this rag week through. So <laughs> uh,
5: First things first, rag week. <laughs> yes, yes,
9: priorities. Um no, it was it, uh, yeah. It, look, it was. Um, I think it came at a point. You see, you see, kids nowadays, and there's a, a massive pressure on them to to choose and specialize at an early age. Um, and I think there was at the time. It's probably something that's not really spoken about, but the the work between Ross Common and Connacht at the time, uh, Gary Wynn, who was a coach, and, and Nigel, and how they managed myself, Daniel Qualter and Shane Laden at the time in terms of not overtraining. Uh, and there was no pressure from either side. It was like, look, you can play your Gaelic football and your rugby. um in the, in the fact that knowing that in two, three months time, you kind of have to make a decision yourself. And um, so, yeah, it'd be nice if that was kind of the model. Cause I think there's an awful lot of pressure put on probably multi talented uh, athletes or young athletes, boys and girls at this, at this juncture in their life when they're 15, 16, 17 to kind of specialize in something.
4: Sport and, and rugby, in particular, is obviously a family affair as well. Jack, I know your younger brother Luke is an out-half uh, with the USA team as well, which is quite incredible. I don't know if you, you probably haven't had the chance to play against each other t-
9: so far, have you? But um, no, no, we haven't. We we did train against each other quite a bit when he was in Connacht, um, and I remember he made a mock, mockery of me one day, and I'm everyone on the sidelines shouting and screaming, throwing their hats on the ground. <laughs> um, no, haven't haven't been fortunate enough to to um, to play against him or with him um, you never know when, what the future holds there's another couple of years uh, y- years left in me um, he's playing in Chicago now and he's going into American camp on I think it's the 18th of July he, he starts up so uh, wishing him all the, all the best and you could always retire
4: a couple of years early and give Roscommon a couple of years maybe. there you go like, but
9: race something. I, I tell you I went back I went back a couple of years ago um, and I like, did a bit of preseason or just a bit of like junior and I'm like I wouldn't the you kind of it's a completely different fitness um like after about 30 minutes my lungs were burning legs were gone so i have a lot of uh, respect for the the running and off the ball work that uh ga footballers do um
4: if you, if someone like Davy Burke on the sidelines, I expect you'd you'd keep running no matter what. You're <laughs> yeah, running you'd running have you. to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I was I was doing some laughing reading a quote from you. It was there was um, an interview you'd done with one of the newspapers in the last year or two. You were talking about your competitiveness, and you said, and the, the thought has cropped into anyone's head if they're ever in a in a in a spa. If I get into a sauna and there's someone already in there, I will want to stay in longer. So that kind
9: of <laughs> summed up your I- mentality. To me, like no, nah, right? it was it, so. Yeah, no, I, I remember. I got a bit. Of, I got a bit of slagging for this. So right. it, it would pop in. The, uh, I don't know. What other people said it happens to them as well. Um, and I came out of it with Tom Farrell one day. He's like, "Where were you?" And I was like, "Oh, I didn't want to leave before the fella who'd got in." So I just, it, it, I don't do it every time, but it happens at random, random times. I'm like right now, I'll wait till that person finishes, then I'll get out. But that person then must have been doing what I was doing. Um, <laughs> yeah. with the so no one life. was
5: budging. What happened? Yeah,
9: yeah. To
4: be is like two well-done steaks coming out of the <laughs> yeah. steam room. Yeah, literally. I, but I, yeah. I, I kind of understand where you're coming from because if you go, if you get into a if you get into a sauna or a steam room and someone p- comes in just after you, you're like, well, like, I can't leave. I can't leave before. Yeah, but, no, it's I, so true. Like
5: I never thought of it until you've actually mentioned it. I'm like, oh my god, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
9: but <laughs> well, it, yeah. it probably speaks to your competitive nature, anyway, Jack. Yeah, I suppose you kind of. um like I, I, I would have said probably when I was when I was very young, when I was younger playing up playing, I would have been uh, probably overly overly competitive on the other side, and I probably would have lost probably friendships and stuff over it because I was that kid who used to, to used to cry after they lost games or cry at referees. But I thankfully managed to kind of to lose that lose that side of it. But um, yeah, I think people are motivated by different things. Look, some people are motivated by. Uh, you know, providing for their family, getting international honours, uh, earning more money—it's a variety of different things that people are motivated. And I think there's no one thing that's that's right for them, Um or one thing that's right. I think if it's the right thing for you, uh, and it manages to get you to where you want to get, without obviously hurting people along the way, I think that's the that's the way to go about it. And my my stuff is my motivation, suppose, has changed, um, and kind of went uh, swings and roundabouts at times, but. Uh yeah. I'm thirty now, so another couple of years and motivated as as I've ever been.
5: Brilliant to hear. And obviously it's such an exciting time for Ireland at the minute, the World Cup on the horizon. Do you keep the the hope that you'll be back in there?
9: Uh yeah, look, I'm I'm acutely aware that there'd have to be a massive, strange um, f- series of unfortunate events to for Anton to be on the immediate horizon, but um you know, obviously you see what happened to Stephen Donald a couple of years ago, so you, you never know, so you just have to, to stay ready. I think it's it's about obviously building for the next four years and kind of seeing what that looks like. Um, you know, obviously you see there's other players. Quay Cooper starting for Australia this weekend. He's 34, I think. Um, so if you manage to look after your body and continue to play well, I think um, that side of it kind of ends up looking after itself.
4: If you have to look at the World Cup from a punditry perspective, uh, Jack, would you, how, how do you think this Irish team are, are, are set up and I guess that quarter-final invisible wall is always there, isn't it? But it feels like the year where we could potentially do it, but I don't want to curse curse the whole thing either.
9: Yeah, and look, I think that's the the point that you're talking about there. And I, like, I'm trying to even think back on in 2019, we probably wouldn't have spoken about that yeah, that quarter final or anything like that it was very much kind of each game as they come but um, I suppose the difference in what I from my time being there is just the the attitude towards um, I suppose obstacles is, there's not this view of kind of trying to go around it it's about attacking ahead on I think that's what you've seen through, with that Irish team the last couple of years um, you know obviously they had a tough start but they've learned from kind of where they've came from where they are to now and um, and I suppose the mental resilience and fortitude that they have obviously get they've Gary Keegan in there and then they've obviously um father directing us. so uh, yeah I'm not going I'm not going to say that they're not but I think this is the the best opportunity that we've had in a in a long long time and I definitely think in terms of the mental space that they're at it's probably the it, well it is the best that probably an Irish team has been going in it's interesting
4: like would I'm just thinking about your brother going off to America and even you see a lot of Irish players going off to to
9: France and, and
4: whatnot. Was was playing abroad ever an option for you or ever something that crossed your mind?
9: Uh yeah, there was a few kind of bits here and there. Um I suppose just around COVID. I was I think it was around COVID there was an opportunity to, to move to France. Um and it was basically kind of well not signed sealed, but it was kind of agreed upon but um, I suppose I went back home to it had a good think about it and it was like, well I wanna play for for Ireland again so I did only manage to I didn't play for that long when he got a, a couple of minutes but um, it definitely was the right decision um, for me when I look back now um, you never know towards the tail end of your career you kind of see fellas doing that um, whether it be America, France or Japan so kind of who knows what it, the future holds um, but yeah it'd be definitely something that towards the latter part of my career maybe that kind of look towards.
4: Can you can you tell us what club it was? Running the Gara straight away popped into yeah. my mind. La no, 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 straight
9: no. on. No, no, it wasn't. It was uh, it was Vermont. Right, okay, yeah, yeah.
4: I guess the temptation's always there when you like think of the quality of life, but then I guess you have to you have to balance that against you know, having the life in Ireland as well and, and I guess the international prospects. So it's 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 a tough decision I guess you have to make.
9: Yeah, look it was, but um you know, I was probably I was probably creating these scenarios in my head, trying to make it more attractive. Um, whereas, like, I wouldn't have went on to captain my province, or so would have wouldn't have went on to to play the games that I did. And I think, you know, you can obviously have them experiences, but um, I'm fortunate enough to be playing in the province I'm from, representing the people who um, from the province I'm from also. So. Uh, I think it's it was one of them things. Obviously, it was there. The attractiveness of it was there. But like when you cut got, got down to the nuts and bolts of it, Kant um, was always going to be the the winner. Really in it.
4: Just before I let you go, Jack, that you mentioned the captaincy there, like at uh, 30 years of age, is, that, is this something that you've embraced? You always had ambitions of. I know you, you became the Connacht record point scorer. I think overtaking Eric Elwood this season as well. So there's been a couple of uh, key career moments and highlights for you this season. Um, but the captaincy what does that mean to you? Like what, what what style of captain I guess are you?
9: Um yeah, I've probably I've learned definitely a lot in the in the year and a half. Kind of was on field captain for a bit and then last year obviously club captain I think. Initially probably taking a lot um to heart a lot on board, but I'm I'm blessed that I have you know Jared Butler there beside me who's been phenomenal. Um you know the, the the amount of work and stuff he does in the background, and, and he still has the ability to to perform on the pitch. I think that's that's probably one of the main things that I that I realised that it's not about what you kind of do in and around the club. Your main job as captain still has to be your performance, um, and I think that's probably the cur- the main currency you have. That if you're performing well, that's the way you lead, and that's how you lead by example. So um, I think that was probably the main the main thing that I I realised that you can't really be worrying about the nuts and bolts you have to perform and then the, all the other bits kind of fall in thereafter great stuff Jack listen keep doing what you're doing man and uh, great to catch up we'll no doubt catch up again very, very uh, soon and um, best of luck with the year ahead cheers thank you and just if anyone uh, is thinking about doing the up and up the hill for Jack and Jill you can get in contact with myself or you can get on to Jack and Jill through their Instagram or Twitter page and um, hopefully we can get a, a massive turnout and get a load of um a lot of money so he can kind of give the gift of time to, to families who are in desperate need of it. Absolutely.
4: Thanks, Jack. JackandJill.ie, Here. As, as Jack Thanks. says, to register your up the hill uh, for Jack and Jill fundraising event. As uh, Jack says, every 18 euro registration fee have been to fund one hour of in home nursing care and end of life support for over 400 children uh, with highly complex life limiting medical conditions countrywide. So, uh, yeah, a really, really great cause from uh, Jack Cody there. Great to hear from him as per usual. 9.18, 9.19 now, AM on this Friday morning's 02 AM. The Sports breakfast show on from off the ball with myself and Ashley with you until 10 o'clock here are some highlights coming up on the OTB podcast network for you today we've got Brian Driscoll in conversation with Louise Quinn some more Ireland reaction from the uh, defeat to France last night with Vera Pau and Kira Carusa the latest Koi Gig pod as well which was recorded this morning in the wake of that game and LOI match day as well after the break Kulabuhig will bring his uh, Friday happiness and joy and just cork general spirit into studio to uh, talk Wimbledon and, and other bits we usually go off on tangents as well we're going to Australia
10: Surely Surely <laughs> No there's no surely
3: Screw you accountants You can't stop us now Off the ball Cheering on the girls in
0: green
4: The 9.22am on this Friday morning's OTVM The sports breakfast show from Off the Ball I give Colin Buhig a fright He's joined us back at the studio with his uh, Friday happiness Good morning
1: Colm how are you? He's great great so, so far really enjoyed it Really good isn't it? Yeah From start to finish it was good You had a bit of everything for everyone Yeah yeah And now you have this Whoa Yep Highlight Maybe the
5: best to last.
1: Yeah, that- yeah, it's a good time to do this, I think. Do you know, yeah. but look, while the football was happening last night, it was very, it was very difficult to watch both. Like, I, I wouldn't be, I be the football? biggest fan of dual screening. Literally, Andy Murray versus Stefanos Sitsipas started at the exact same oh, time. Yeah. yeah, the Irish and French players were walking out in Tala, <laughs> so I went with the football. Uh, but as any opportunity I could, I flit over to Murray Sitsipas What a match! Like, Andy Murray's thirty-six years of age. Yeah his hip is not real he's no. playing a man 12 years as junior well, he's and he's two sets to one up huh Djokovic uh, Djokovic's 36 f- uh, 6 36 he's 36 as well yeah there's very little between it's funny the narrative there, though isn't there, it is 36 very, and nobody cares very little between, between Djokovic feels
5: like Andy and Murray should Murray. be older he's just he's, that yeah. name around Jesus, yeah. tennis Wimbledon yeah. especially it's just oh. he's always coming back
1: been around for yonks jeez yeah. do you know what? what you won't believe this Oh, there's oh, a week between them. A week? Wow. Yeah, I knew there was something. It was either him or that. Who's or, older? Yeah. Who do you think? Well, I always thought Murray was older, but now that there's a yeah, week between right them, right. it means nothing. Murray's older. Murray's older. Is he, right? Seven days more experience. Jesus. But Djokovic yeah. has uh, 20 more Grand Slams. Just the 20? Yeah, just the yeah, still had a great career. Um, and actually, yeah. Stan Vavrinka's career. What a man. Jesus. I watched him up close. Went to the Australian Open uh, in 2014, the year he won it, yeah. which is the first Grand Slam. And the Australian Open, if anyone has an opportunity to go, if you're over there, yeah. please do. Please like and let me know. Because um the best thing about it is obviously watching the matches. But I think what was even better is watching them train up close and personal. You get right. amazing access in Australia. Now that was nine years ago, I might have changed now. But you'd literally be the distance between me and you watching these formidable players mm-hmm. just train. And uh when you're taught how to play tennis, you know, there's like, you know, you do the big wind up with the forehand and the same with the backhand. Mm-hmm. But these guys just flick their wrists, like, and before you know it, like it's a winner down the line. And they play with these hitting partners whose job is to be the professional's hitting partners. And I'd love to interview a hitting partner because they're way too good for amateurs, yeah, but they're not good enough to make a professional, yeah. yeah. So they just they, they train with these people to improve them. And anytime they wanted to, and I particularly Vavrinka stood out not just because he won it that year, but he would just change the pace whenever he wanted to. Mm. And and the hitting partner was technically excellent, mm-hmm. but the difference in levels was extraordinary. But what's the difference? Can they just not serve as fast? No or? they they can do they can do technically everything the same that the professionals can do. The difference is the professionals control the tempo. Right, right, right. So even if the even if the hitting now the hitting partner's job is to help their partner, so it's actually a bit of a dance. It's not a match; it's a dance. Yeah. But for argument's sake, if the training partner was like, "I'm going to see, I'm going to show Stan Ravrinka how good I am," Bavrinka would just start controlling Africa. straight away give two or three shots back to him and then he would start controlling where the player goes mm-hmm. and that to me was the most extraordinary element
5: have you been to Wimbledon?
1: I've been on a tour
5: so not to actual <laughs> Wimbledon? <laughs> Call him
1: Jess Kelly went yeah she did this week it's presents, on my bucket yeah.
5: list I've seen she brought you presents yeah, yeah. Uh, it's fully on my bucket list it's one of those sporting events that oh yeah take it off yeah I have to
1: It's still called Hellman Hill or is it Murray Mound, or is Mound? it's Murray Mound but
5: has it caught on?
1: Yeah, Well it's not the same, but no. I like, you know, they, they're they just so, they're really um, in a state of despair that he's not English. The, the, the English people are? Yeah. Well, he's English when he wins, or he's British when he wins. No, but he's like, he he's wins. really Scottish, like, he. Oh, yeah. you know, he's all about being from Scotland. And, uh, like, he's won it twice, he's won Wimbledon twice. Yeah. You know, everyone remembers, it's ten years ago now when he won it for the first time against Djokovic. It's a brilliant final. Sorry, and he won it very easily three years later. The reason I mentioned Bevorinca's course course because he plays
4: Djokovic. Sorry, yeah. twenty fourteen he wins that Australian Open. Yeah. Twenty fifteen he wins the French Open. Yeah. Twenty sixteen he wins the US Open. Brilliant. Three years in a row. And he also, twenty fourteen and fifteen, gets to the quarters of Wimbledon. It's mad that that's the
1: furthest he got in Wimbledon. Yeah, he never he never took to grass. Same with Marit Safin. Do you remember the great Russian yeah, yeah, player yeah, about twenty yeah. years ago? Who also won a couple of grand slams? But uh well, has uh, had some great quotes. The lads actually played on the newsroom last night he was like, I have zero chance of winning Wimbledon. Yeah. Oh,
6: yeah.
2: And he was like, what a way said, to be.
1: He said like, oh, it's just a bucket list um, tick off to play Djokovic at Wimbledon because he never has. Mild, isn't but it? he has a really good record against Djokovic. And actually, just before I came in here, I was like searching to see if there's any breaking news this morning from Wimbledon. But they uh, shared a clip of... Shaka pitch against Ravinka at that Australian Open that I was talking about and just the raddies. like Ravinka is <laughs> 38 now like he's winding down yeah. Yeah, regularly, he, regularly he gets knocked out in the first week of slams though but like him and his peak a decade ago what a player he is one of those players who perfected the one-handed backhand yes. which is like one of the hardest skills in tennis mm-hmm. have you ever tried one-handed backhand one hand- ever play tennis <laughs> oh, I have yeah I used to play tennis when I was younger I um, think you'd be good yeah I was reasonable at tennis from a Did fitness perspective. you tell me your serve wasn't good I thought you'd be a good server uh, no, my serve wouldn't have been great. I could run around the court and, and get
4: the ball back, and I was decent at the two-handed backhand. You're tall, you see, so for you used to like a backhand slice. Yeah, that's the love safe. backhand slice, safe, very safe. Yeah, tough to miss a backhand slice. did you play tennis?
5: It was more like a holiday thing. Like I remember yeah. me and my sister, my dad. Like we had such competitive tennis games. Like going on holidays, that's what we did, and that's what we looked forward to. But there was just no tennis clubs really around us that we could Same get involved. Though. It was more GA soccer. That was their thing, but if there was, I'd say we probably would have played. Like you know, obviously when Wimbledon was on, we all went out with our rackets on the road, yeah. you know. But we didn't
7: have any uh, courts.
4: I used to go out to my uh, garden. We used to set up. We set up a. We used to have a fence, a small fence that used to keep out our, our dog when he was a pup, and uh, we turned the fence into a tennis thing. We used the chalk then to line out the court in the back uh, tarmac. Um, I used to pretend I was Mark Philippoussis.
1: Oh yeah, legend. He was my favorite player. Yeah, because of the name. He
4: got to the final in 03 which was That's when right, I was ten. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember who lost it, but Federer. Federer. That was Federer's first Grand Slam. Was it? Yeah.
5: Great knowledge, column.
4: See, there you go. That 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 year, I think, was when was my like peak. I, I used to, I, I was obsessed with Philippoussis. I don't know was it his name, was it how big he was. Maybe both. Combination of both, maybe cool as as well, very cool, yeah, laid back, yeah. Uh, just something struck me as a ten year old. Mark Philippoussis right. so, yeah. is the coolest man of all. Time. Do you feel
5: there's still as much hype around Wimbledon without the big big names? Obviously, we're uh, the
1: missing Serena
5: and Venus. Obviously, they're went missing. out first round.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, Gough but, but I think Venus round. playing at all is extraordinary. But yeah, yeah. But the Coco Gaff like playing Sophia Kennan like yeah. I, I think I said it during the week like that match has no right to be a first round match. Like it's too good. It Should be the yeah. second week. But also we've had a couple of those like sits the pass against Dominic team the other night. Even Murray sits pass last night. Well, like the sorry. the shot level is extraordinary. Yeah,
4: the quality was great. But the the curfew thing.
1: Yeah. I had forgotten that this
4: existed. So last night it's like comes it on at eleven o'clock. It's like oh this game is finishing two sets to one up for Murray. Resuming today. It's it's a farce. They need their
1: rim. Well, when they did need their that come hours. in? It's been. I didn't know always this was dreaming. always there. Yeah. Was Whereas it? the French Open, they don't care for the human aspect of people at all. Like, yeah,
5: because it yeah. was like up until one a.m. and two a.m. in the French Open. Yeah, yeah it, like,
1: they'd be That's a bit like. outrageous. Outrageous, yeah. like that's like uh, going out on a night out. Like maybe I'm being you selfish. Come in two or three in the morning. No, like let them have their rest and they'll come back today. But it's a pity the Murray Cipaz match started so late. Like it's like after half seven. And then they closed the roof from the start, but there was still an hour and a half to two hours of light. Yeah. So we better yeah. play it outside. We play it outside today now. So you play a bit of tennis? I played a bit. Only of tennis, played yeah. Holidays. I got involved to my mother. How? So my mother, she was a very good sports person.
5: Incredible! Have you not heard this? Yeah, I've,
1: I've, I can't remember the exact story. Yeah. I'm Thankful for Like I, 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 th- I, I actually I told you this. Um, One in all Ireland. Yeah. Yes. With with um, I'm going to guess the, co-
4: the kind of, you know, Clare. Yeah there you go see I remember against against uh, Dublin
1: at Croke Park year
7: <laughs> no oh, chance me. you haven't uh, said the sport I- I'm yet I'm going to
1: disrespect your mother if I guess the year Oh, like? not necessarily give me the decades
4: <laughs> 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 the 70s Sevent- I was going to say the 70s I'm going I'm I'm not getting wrong just to be, just to be lovely to
1: your mother I'm going to say 79 74 uh, and, see I, I thought she was much younger than Camogie mm-hmm. and Jer's Jer Gilroy's mother won with Antrim yeah. about 5 years prior Oh yeah. so we had an idea to put them both on but like my mother would be mortified like never she never could she wouldn't out. do it so anyway see th- that was her last ever Camogie match right and, and then, her last one on and, yeah, and then she took up tennis Jeez, so did right. an easy enough transition Is and it hand the- eye coordination she found tennis much easier than Camogie so anyway so uh, all the kids like all of us played because of my mother and then you know you'd be embarrassed like because you'd be a teenager and you know, you'd be trying to be cool or whatever and you'd be playing against your mother in tennis and she'd just hammer you like yeah, it's a bit four hands down the line like never like hope the ego <laughs> gone Old ego, well and truly gone and now she plays golf I was going to say is that she a got rid of the tennis yeah, yeah. It's going through all the hand-eye coordination she'd probably sports. enjoy paddle yeah oh I was on to Jenny Claffey so she's up for doing that playing you yeah and Adrian Barry Doubles or what's it called? So it has to be doubles and paddle. Oh, does it? Yeah. So she said, do you want to get the fourth partner or she can get one? But like all of her friends would be really good. Like, so. I'd play, but <laughs> I'm going to play, do you? you want to play I'd love to, yeah. So actually yeah. get when, it when, whenever you're recovered.
5: Yeah, I know. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. need the recovery time. Maybe yeah. just four weeks or so, hopefully. so.
1: Emma's, Emma, Emma, Carol's suggesting just uh, Jenny against me and Adrian. Oh. But you do need, yeah. it, <laughs> it needs to be four people. Anyone. No, that's, yeah. that's farcical. I'll play with Jenny How about I play with Jenny? No oh, I'll play with I Jenny you and Adrian I, You play with it. So you're, Let the host <laughs> of Friday's show the, the usual host of Friday's oh, show enough, yeah. Play together And I'll play with Jenny Okay that, that makes yeah. sense We'll all take turns Play with Jenny So we can say we played With a potential Olymp- Olympian uh, Yeah When also a player Who beat Ange 6-love six 6-love six When she was on the tour Jenny Claffey Before yeah. injury Curtailed her career Ange Two time Slam finalist Ange Burr. Yeah. Top five in the world Ange Burr. I think that's why Andre Burr hasn't got over the line and won a Grand Slam final because of the I Jenny think, Claffey. I think she thinks back to Jenny Claffey. Six love, six love. I know when Jenny finds us out, she'll be so happy that we're discussing this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, if I beat a, a two-time
4: Grand Slam finalist earlier in my career, six love, six love, I, I'd, I'd have it on the front of my LinkedIn. I'd have it as a Facebook status every day. I'd tweet it every week, maybe. Yeah, I know. And let
1: people know, like. I, I think you drop it in a bit subtly and then you post that people. Like I drop out. in Manon very subtly. Yeah, very subtly. Yeah. Oh, You're so 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 Manon who starts the show. Like, so <laughs> we went through a pre show, like, this is what we're going to discuss today, and it's like, yeah, no problem, yeah.
2: No and the problem the is modern. when they
1: go uh, over the white line, so to speak, like no, you have to leave it up to yourself. Check
5: I it get it, I get it. Do I you prefer it. hosting
1: or co hosting? Oh, that's a good question. I, I love them both. Mm. It's like asking a pilot, does he prefer being captain or co pilot? I imagine. a lot more
5: work and they're resenting. Probably like just, a bit more yeah. work.
1: Yeah, I think yeah, it's easier to be a presenter. The time goes faster. If you have to come up with the opinions and feedback <laughs> like, of like. course you just prompt. Yeah, very good at both. Like, oh, I, I, as an observer, right? Thanks very much. I I, I like both to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're both very different experiences. Yeah. And
5: what is Wimbledon like without Sue Barker? not the same Yeah.
1: not the same and Sue was just so excellent we're actually trying to get her on the show Yeah. so if there's any chance Sue you're listening please do come on we'd love to get your you had to be there or just come on at all and just talk about your career both on the court um, and as a presenter she won the French Open
5: incredible do you know that like she she,
1: she was a seriously good player like Like, like she's she's the Gary Lineker of tennis people just assume that she's just a really good broadcaster if you're coming to it new, do you know, yeah, but it yeah. turns out that like no, she was she really could play herself, like. Jesus. um So Claire Balding, uh, I suppose, is now the the more prominent figure than Give she. Give us the to quote. Be.
4: Give us the quote she's come out with this week.
1: Oh yeah, the quote there was center court, um, center court is the greatest sporting stage in the world. I, I have a discuss.
4: I have something to to go against that.
1: Is some sort of Manahan pitch. No, no, it's
4: it's the Secret. Crucible Theatre in Sheffield. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Crucible. Yeah, it, it, we spoke to Jason Quidley off air after the oh after yeah. he was in the other yeah. day. Yeah. And he agrees. He he's a good friend of John Higgins, the snooker player. And he was like the when you go to the Crucible, there's just something, and it's impossible to describe it. Even if you don't like snooker, you leave there loving snooker because it's so intense. You can see into the eyes of the players. You can smell the fucking aftershave off the players. You're so close to the action. Um, and when someone like Ronnie O'Sullivan is walking around a snooker table, and it's just dead quiet, and you're sitting there hoping your phone doesn't go off, hoping you don't move tense. in the eye line, it's very it's mm. very tense. So that for me, the Crucible is the greatest sporting sure. stage in the world.
5: Um. Obviously, I love Crow Park, but maybe Celtic Park. Which was we'll yeah, a park, have <laughs>
1: <It's> never <laughs> been actually. What are you laughing at? laughing hey Yeah, <laughs> uh, my sister drove by Ibrox yesterday.
5: All right. I, I hope know. she kept driving.
4: She did. Opened an Iber fridge. Actually, Celtic Park is a good choice. I'd say only I've ne- I've been to Celtic Park a few times for matches, yeah, but never on a on a European night.
5: Yeah, oh unbelievable atmosphere. Yeah, I'd say that's um, different. Like you you hear some of the top players that have yeah. played there. You know, they've always come out to say like it is an incredible atmosphere and it really is. I do think it doesn't matter if you're not into it at all, not into Scottish football, to go and just experience it as a night out, as a sporting experience. Yeah. It's definitely up there.
4: One hundred percent. I think the, the games I saw in Sally Park were like Inverness Cali Thistle and Dundee United, it wasn't exactly the European night. Yeah, Champions
5: League night, that is yeah. that is what you need to get oh, for sure. What about is- you, Colin?
1: Madison Square Garden Ooh. Okay. Oh, okay that's a cocky way of saying that not there. a great uh, I don't even look Madison Square Garden no I'm looking at the time actually Right. someone has to keep control do you know Jeez, but I was, was only there always once. Producer. I was what only was there on once. nothing I was what? just there I just went in to have a look at it but it's kind of it's kind of a bit of an edge to that part of New I've York as well. Yeah. yeah I like it which borough is it Manhattan yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 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 Come here. Sorry. I'd love to. I'd actually. not to, to I should have come in earlier. <laughs> I'd love to chat more. You should have. But uh, listen, Colm It's been a pleasure. Distinct pleasure.
4: I, all Thanks for having me on. I know you look at the clock. It, it's a great show. Yeah, it's a fantastic show. Ashley, brilliant stuff. As per usual. Shane. All the best here. with the recovery.
5: Thanks, Colin. Really on, care. I know.
4: <laughs> you're back on next Friday, aren't you?
5: I'm back again. Yeah. Friday. Uh, yeah. The yeah. day
4: before Monaghan Dublin.
5: You. Well, cool. allowed to talk we are allowed talk
4: Monday. We talk Monday that day for sure. Yeah,
5: and uh, Meath
4: And Meath sorry, Meath down in the Talton Cup final as well. Yep. Wait, me oh, yeah, we that double It's a big one, mm-hmm. big one, big one in Ashley's household as well. It uh, is. Yep. Lot of, lot oh, yeah. Of
5: mm-hmm. Column from Mead living down.
4: That's gonna be awkward. Listen, <laughs> it'll be great. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for for tuning in today as well. On Monday's show, we'll have special guest host Sarah O'Donovan joining myself in studio. We'll have the performance rankings, all the reaction to the weekend's camogie and hurling as well. Limerick's Seamus Hickey will join us. Alan Quinlan on the Under-20s World Cup uh, World Championship, I should say, semi-final against South Africa. Vinnie Perth talking League of Ireland, plenty more besides. Right now, Owen Coggins, you had to be there. Have a formidable Friday.
3: OTB AM,
4: The Sports Breakfast Show, from off the ball.